You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd when we talk on things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 223, we're discussing Batman Forever, DC Fandom, and recently announced video games. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. And I'm Sanjay. Ah, oh, welcome back, my dudes. We're sitting here actually 25 years after the initial release of Batman Forever. And so this week, we're going to do a little retrospective, not a review, just a retrospective discussion on Batman Forever, the film that came out right in most of our wheelhouse. This is the most, one of the most toyetic Batman films, of course, and I was ripe for that time when it was action figures and Batman Forever. We're going to talk about that, what we think of it now, 25 years out. And if it's intrigued us enough to go back and, and collect some of those figures that were swinging from the pegs 25 years ago, too, because we all know that we at least had some of them. I had the Sonar Batman, all this. So we're going to get into that, guys, a little later on the episode. And we're also going to talk about virtual cons and more specifically, DC's massive announcement of DC Fandom, an unprecedented event for DC where they're going to be doing a live stream con style event where we're going to see stuff from the suicide squad the batman one woman 84 comics tv everything a broad spectrum this is a game changer in my opinion and this is dc taking a huge leap in front of the competition and adapting to the new con experience so guys i can't wait to get in that and also video games you know i'm not a big gamer but we got a couple of boys here that are huge gamers We've got two big announcements, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, the game coming with the new PS5, maybe PS4, I'm not quite sure that we'll get into it, and also Star Wars Squadron, so there's a ton to talk about this week, guys, and I cannot wait to get into it, but first things first, it's all about our week in nerd at the top of these shows like we always do, and I can't wait to hear what interesting stories we all have this week as everything opens up and we slowly get back on the hunt, on the non-virtual hunt, out there, physical hunts. Guys, it's going to be great. I can't wait for this episode. I'm stoked. I've been waiting for this all week. But you know what? (laughs) Troy, he he really teased us at the top here, right before we started recording, that he's got a story. And Mm. I I can't wait. My patience is almost (laughs) zero. So I got to hear, Troy, man, you're Mm -hmm. out in the hunt. You know, we were calling Mm -hmm. you, and Carl's been calling you this for a while now, Craven the Hunter. (laughs) You know, shed some light on this story that you got, man. I've been waiting all day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. So um, as you all know, if you've been listening for a little bit, um, 2020's Toy Fair, they announced the uh, re-release of the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters action figures. And uh, me and Tim and a bunch of the other guys in the community have been dying over these figures. And I've been hunting (laughs) on um, Walmart.ca forever every day looking at this thing maybe t- twice a week twice a day sorry looking at these figures i couldn't find them anywhere so um i got off work on sunday and i uh, went to a walmart nearby 
and I saw the box. They had the display box that uh, Darth Goody tweeted out to us a little while back. And I was like, oh, my God, they have to be somewhere in the store. And I see it's full of like, all these these puzzles and random things. So I'm digging through to see if there's any figures behind. Nothing. I asked one of the clerks, like, hey, man, like, what's going on with these figures? He had no idea. He, he looked <laughs> like an alien. No, <laughs> no idea what was going on. They never do. Never do. So that was at, like, 4 o'clock p.m., and uh, I went back home, you know, hung out with the family, put the kid down. And I, I called my buddy, who's not a collector by any means. But I was like, man, like, I got to go to Walmart, like every Walmart, and find these figures because they have to be out. And he's like, again, he's looking at me like an alien. Like, what? Like, like toys? Like, Ghostbusters? I'm like, yeah, man, I got to find this thing. So he's like, all right, like, sure, let's do this. So we go to one Walmart um, in the north, far north. So, like, probably like a half hour drive from me. And nothing. Like, nothing at all in there. Um, I see a couple of the the retro figures, but it's the same ones that Tim and myself already got. So I was like, okay, well, there's nothing here. I'm looking at the boxes that, like, the clerks are coming out to, like, undo for that day. I see a Hasbro thing on there, but it's it's not Ghostbusters. So I was like, oh, man, okay. So my buddy's getting a little bit hungry, and he's like, hey, let's uh, let's go get some pizza. I'm like, pizza? I'm like, no, I got I to gotta hunt. <laughs> like, what are we done? So this guy's like, okay, like, maybe one more Walmart. We go far north, uh, pretty much close to uh, to Sunny Spot, okay. and again, nothing, nothing at all. And then my buddy's like, "All right, man, you know we're pretty close to a Burger King. Let's get Burger King because there's not very many Burger Kings around." <laughs> I'm like, I'm "Not going for a Burger King. We're going for a hunt." So we check out like two more WalMarts and nothing, like nothing at all. And, and I'm just, I'm just feeding here for these things. And my buddy's like, "All right, dude, like throwing the towel. That's a wrap." So I, you know. Go home. It's probably like close to eleven because I've been hunting that long at this point. Oh, Go man. home. And I just can't sleep over these things. I'm like, man, I gotta find these. So <laughs> I take a day off. I go back at it again today. <laughs> and but it's all a mistake this time because this time um I actually had an appointment for a chiropractor, but um due to like this allergies, my allergies are really really bad. And I was like, you know, with everything going on, it's probably best I don't go in. So um, cancel that appointment. But I already made uh, arrangements for my mom to watch my uh, my oldest. So I was like, well, I got another chance here. Let's go back <laughs> to the first Walmart that I went to. And so I go back there, and it's like deja vu. I see the same box just toying with me. It's a it's that same display box with a bunch of random puzzles. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go again. Like, there's nothing. But I'm like, whatever. I'm here. I might as well just check the toy all anyways. And I go down, and there's, like, this woman and her son kind of floating right where I need to go. And I don't want to like be rude and I'm trying to keep my distance, but in my corner of my eye, I'm like, wait, that's, that's the purple boxes. That's, no. that's them. <laughs> Those are them. And I'm just hoping these kids aren't going to take them and I'm just waiting. And then eventually they kind of wander off and I just zoom right over <laughs> and <laughs> at the top, uh, the top peg it's, it's, uh, Egon. And I'm like, okay, cool. There's Egon. I, I take Egon and behind him is Peter. I'm like, oh my God. So I got Peter and Egon and then I look down. And there's Winston and I take Winston and behind Winston there's Ray and it's just those four. And I was like, dope that's all i need is just these four here and they happen to be there and uh man felt so good it was like that double take everything was going on everything slowed down heart oh, was racing. the best the best oh, crazy. I, the I called my wife to make sure everything's okay because <laughs> uh man it was it wasn't a good look for the first like, couple of days there trying to find these things but came through and finally found them man i checked out another story afterwards unfortunately there's nothing but i think it's going to start hitting pretty soon now deep over in calgary where we are so you're oh, like gosh, one man. step away from like stealing a walmart uniform and going <laughs> in the back to start unloading trucks and then being like oh ghostbusters and just 
going off meandering in some like random direction and just opening it up and then paying for it. I was right there. Pretty much, man. What? Pretty much. That's what, what you're getting for Halloween his friend go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, the, the picture and the, the insight into the psyche of a collector, man. Like yeah, it's man. funny because I can sympathize with every single second, every single word of that story. That's exactly how like yeah. right down to, you know, when the kid's hovering, you're like, bro, get out of my way. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, not to mention man. like social distancing and all that. Exactly. It's like, I'm in like, oh man, I can feel your panic, but I love that you pushed your dude to like, no man. <laughs> like Carlos said, go hungry. Or are you guys like friends off now? Yeah, we're still, we're still bros. I sent you the pic. Bugs? I'm like, Hey, I got the toys. And it's like, that's it. I was like, oh, you don't even understand. You don't even know. Well, well, cause like, like Troy texts this to the DM and I'm like, dude, how, like I'm panicking. And I just, I text it and then I phoned him right away. I was like, what's going on? Cause like I get that. Now I have like serious plastic anxiety and like, I'm happy for you, but I'm also like super jealous. <laughs> so man, yeah, well, but I'll stay well on the deserved. hunt, man. I'll stay on the hunt. Well-deserved craving there, man. Putting in the effort. Mm. <laughs> you know, literally trench running up and down the, the toy aisles. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. That's a that's one for the books, man. You, awesome. You've had some awesome. wild stories. <laughs> like, this is a, like last week when I was editing and I was going through and you're talking about, you know, the buddy about the at Kijiji with the Walmart. And you oh, like, yeah. you're like, I got to get there before. <laughs> the hunt is real, boys. The hunt it is, is real. It oh, is man. so real, man. Living that fig life. Ah, oh, unbelievable. Yes. Absolutely love it. <laughs> no, guys, Sonny Carlos, man, I'm sorry. That's a hard act to follow. Yeah. <laughs> how, I, how I do don't have any that? story that good this week. <laughs> no, me neither, man. I got nothing, but I'm going to throw it to you, Sonny, man. What, right. What's, what's going on to... with you? You know, try to follow that. It's not going to happen. That's going to be the highlight no, of the week oh, for no. sure for all of us. <laughs> Well, I was with Troy, and I really wanted a hamburger, and he wouldn't let me go to Britain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was the secret friend. Surprise. Yeah. The M. Night Shyamalan movie. It was me all along. It was Sanjay all along. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So I know, like, uh, Batman Forever, the 25th anniversary was coming up, and so in order to, like, get prepared for it, I was, I was talking to Carlos, and I'm like, I think I'm going to, like, rewatch the first two so that way i can see the third one and like the context and how it compares to the first two and he's just like you don't need to know anything like you just he says me like the picture of like jim carrey's riddler he's like you don't need to know anything <laughs> and then i was like oh man i really think i i really think i should just to like frame the movie so i ended up watching all three of them i haven't got around to batman and robin yet um <laughs> i think i said to batman forever yet <laughs> <laughs> we're doing retrospective and today. i gotta say like I'll, I'll save the batman forever talk to later but i gotta say man batman returns really holds up like re-watching that movie um in 2020 like it was a fantastic film like i loved it it was wacky it was zany michelle pfeiffer danny devito mm. Michael Keaton oh man like it was such a terrific film I had such a good time with that film like I've actually like moved that up spots in my DC ranking just from like I had it like always like below Superman 2 but I you know right now I gotta like put it above Superman 2 nice. I think it's so yes. good it's, it's slowly like making its way up there and 
Um, yeah, I really, really like that film. Batman 89, still a solid film. But to me, I think Batman Forever was just such a step up in quality in terms of the villains and um, just <laughs> like everything, like the aesthetic. Yeah. I'm sorry, you, you was... said forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Batman Forever is, you know, we'll get to my opinion on that film. But yeah, Batman <laughs> Returns is such a step up in quality from 89, in my opinion. Even though it made so much less money, um, I feel like it just like came out at the wrong time when like only kids would like were like Batman was like looked at for like kids so they had to like change a bunch of the stuff from forever but like Batman Returns if that came out now I think that that film would make so much more money it was it's such a terrific film and yeah if you haven't seen it check it out and then go watch Batman Forever so you can see the tonal shift yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about that tonal shift <laughs> this week and you know i will say i don't think it is as pronounced as people have let on throughout the years when you watch them back to back they go together pretty well actually just just a I little gotta go back. i gotta go back and watch those then part one and two i'm yeah. gonna be logging off here so. <laughs> <laughs> goddamn they batman totally is out fit in that universe man like it's that wacky it's that zany no. you gotta remember batman returns penguin was raised by penguins and they had like rockets strapped to the back of penguins like come on man Which like batman awesome. forever <laughs> it is cool it is cool but i mean it does fit this it all fits in one universe okay i, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that because i i have a feeling that we're gonna have to return to that uh that thread here in about 45 minutes. Carlos is just antsy. Like his his screen is just like blurry. And I thought it was like he had a computer glitch, but it's just him buzzing with anger. with me vibrating to make his face look different. Right. I took my shirt off. I have all these tattoos all over myself, like memento. (laughs) scarring myself for every time i have to watch batman forever every time every time i bring up batman like forever in a good way he just like he scars himself one time so he's he's victor's ass (laughs) intense way too long i guess we're gonna we're gonna see this live here in a in a little bit as we talk through batman forever a little later but goddamn batman you know (laughs) i I, i'm i'm a little hesitant to go to you right now. I'm almost thinking like I gotta let him calm down just a little bit. <laughs> oh, it's all it's all good. I uh, I don't got much today. You can't. Uh, Sunny had a, a neat tale there, and then how do you follow Troy's story? Like he's telling it. I'm having visions of him like ducking down and checking the footprints around and like <laughs> touching the dust to see how how much it's settled. And yeah, I don't, unbelievable, man. Like I love that story. Yeah, the best. <laughs> I love that story. No, you know, for me, it was uh, embracing the fact that comics are back. So went last week and got a pretty thick stack of books. So working my way through that, catching up on the Marvel and um, image stuff digitally. So, yeah, immersed in that content. Uh, You brought up Kijiji earlier. It was funny. I was just kind of poking around on there. And somebody was like, there's all these listings for all these Batman forever figures and some animated series products and all this really cool stuff. And I have to admit, I actually opened up the profile and checked the map to make sure that it wasn't my parents selling my stuff. <laughs> I was like, this is all my gear. Why is it on Kijiji? <laughs> but that's as close as I got to getting on the toy hunt. And then uh, the only kind of piece of, fandom adjacent but i'll bring it up because we get lots of love from the twitter gang and whatnot when the topic comes up i watched a documentary on amazon prime called uh, michael jackson square one mm-hmm. it is phenomenal so 
any of the boys out there and girls who give us a love when we bring up MJ in the Twitter talk, uh, give that one a watch. It's 90 minutes. It's tight. It's all evidence-based, and uh, it's a pretty compelling narrative. And if you watch the other one, I say you spent four hours going through that, whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> do yourself a favor, spend the 90 minutes, go through this, and uh, might uh, change your perspective on things. So right. I'm watching that that's... tonight, man, after that recommend. Definitely. Yeah, baby. It, it's so good. And it's yeah. it's so well put together. It, it really puts the other one to shame because it's just um, everything is kind of backed up with documentation and like actual people's testimony and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it was it was good. It was pretty compelling. So check it out. Make your own decisions, make your own opinions. And I thought it was worth the time. It's, What's it's, it called again? Sorry. Square one. Square one. Square on one. Amazon Prime? Yeah, and it was like, uh, it, it existed on YouTube for uh, the longest time. Uh, he, the documentarian had put it out there, a guy, I think his name is Danny Wu. Um, and the Jackson family had given him props after seeing it and whatnot. And then, yeah, Amazon bought it off him. And they it was just like, whatever day I was DMing with you, Troy, earlier this week, It they Amazon ended up picking it up and it got a global rollout, like... Must have been Monday or Tuesday. So. Oh wow! Awesome. Crazy. So it's that, it's that fresh, eh? <clears throat> yeah. Right on. Yeah. Have to check that one. I put that on the list. It's it's interesting. You have to make the distinction between a fact based uh, documentary and a you know what I mean. Like, isn't yeah. that the point of a documentary to be fact based? But it's yeah. the world we live in now. You guys gotta you gotta be mm-hmm. very careful with what information that you assume is correct. <laughs> yeah, like it, I'm not gonna tell anybody what's right and what's wrong, but one was all led with kind of evidence-based stuff and the other one was just here's my thoughts and opinions on a yeah. kind of thing yeah so. documentaries aren't supposed to be opinions <laughs> so anyways guys i'm gonna wrap this one up i uh i like carlos embraced the comic stores opening the comic books nice. being back this week i took my first dip into the local and i'm glad i did it you know i'm still a bit bit shaky bit nervous on everything here but masked up gloved up went in there and you know the guy was, hey, welcome back to the shop. I said I'm so sorry. It's you know I haven't been in in months. He's ah, it's all good, man. So I got the floppies. You know, not a huge stack because not a ton of Marvel stuff came out. And then he had all kinds of uh, toys and stuff there. So I spent about 30 minutes kind of flipping through toys. I ended up finding the Gamerverse Captain America for nice. uh, a little bit of a discount, and I got the Yavin Ceremony Luke for 12 bucks. <laughs> so yeah, nice. it's pretty like that was an easy trigger pull. Okay. on that one and and he had me just he kind of everything that was in there it got me thinking and i've been doing a lot of diving back into retro stuff and i i was telling the guys in the dm I've, i'm kind of changing my collecting habits at least for the, the short term and it was spawned a bit by some of these turtle figures that we got my visit to the comic book shop seeing some of the stuff there some of the older he had it looks like he had either arranged or consumed someone's collection because he had a bunch of retro Star Wars stuff there and some older figures and that. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need some more retro stuff. So I'm going to elaborate on that in another episode, but I'm thinking about pointing a little different direction for the rest of the year and going back to the 80s, 90s figures and really starting to buy some of that stuff up and just take a little pause on some of the newer stuff. And uh, I don't know, but it was all, it was about going back to the comic book shop and seeing kind of the diversity of figures, diversity of stuff in there again and not just looking at Amazon, which is mostly new stuff, right? Um, EB Games new stuff, Walmart.ca new stuff. I'm thinking, ah, 
it's time to it's time to maybe go retro a little bit here. But yeah, it was it was great to get back in the shop, support them, you know, and it's got my my brain kind of whizzing around here about what to do next. But uh, I didn't have a chance to jump into the comic books, but uh, I'd have to say, guys, get out there. You know, I had some credit built up at the comic book shop just from trading stuff with them. And I said, no, look, I'm going to pay for the comics. I know, you know, just get some money coming in to all them and supporting them locally. I'll chew up the credit later on. Um, but it's it's something that I think we all need to get back out there and support the brick and mortar if we want those shops to be in existence uh, for the foreseeable future here. And I know I do digital, but I like to keep a small small uh, little line of, of floppies and all that. So yeah, back to the comic book shops. Life's feeling a little bit back to normal. Um, I got to get out on the Craven hunts here though, because I'm, I'm jonesing a little bit, man, after hearing some of those stories. It's, uh, ah, it's an absolute ton of fun. And uh, I love those wild stories, man. It reminds me of like Force Friday stuff. Oh, I just, there's a, a time when uh, I went into a Walmart kind of under the veil of an employee <laughs> during <laughs> during during rogue friday <laughs> about uh so you yeah. have the uniform do you guys like trade it back and forth <laughs> no i wouldn't like my chest would not fill out troy's uniform <laughs> but uh yeah force rogue friday it was i was sitting out front and there's people walking in and i just walked in like and i was an employee found the figs <laughs> waited around just hung out in the store until seven o'clock hit and went and paid for them Master disguise. You're like Val Kilmer in The Saint. Yeah. <laughs> or Batman. Who knows? <laughs> oh, so, like you just saying that. Like I just picture now, if you were like getting married like this year, your bachelor party would be totally different. It would just be like going out on the hunt, like looking for collectibles. Just like bring all the guys in. You give them like a list, like a like a 100%. what you call it? Uh, yeah, right. Like that would be Scavenger like your hunt. bachelor party now. Yeah, scavenger hunt, right? Find me so need, the what? real Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's uh, one, before actually, we begin, Tim, can you do your comic book guy voice again? I think that was pretty great. I think the listeners need to hear that voice one more time. I, got, I had a comic book guy voice? Yeah, man. You, you like He had like a different voice when you were doing it, didn't you? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I did say that, that, that our comic book guy reminded me a lot of, what's it, Kevin Eastman, the creator of, <laughs> of, the, Digital, of the Turtles. Yeah, one of the, I rewatched the, the Toys That Made Us, the Turtles episode, because I'm really into Turtles right now. And uh, I was like, wow, he reminds me a lot of our comic book guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I, did I, we'll have to go back. If I don't know yeah, if I we'll don't have think to I check the tapes. It sounded like you had like a comic book guy voice when you're like, Hey Tim, like welcome back. Oh, hey Tim, welcome <laughs> back. I don't know. <laughs> I love it, Troy though, and man. I, Troy and I looked at each other, being like, "Oh, we're going to strap in. We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we're going down one of those rabbit holes." <laughs> well, now, guys, while we're on this comic book thread, let's let's jump into some of the the news this week, and uh, we're going to start off kind of a, a down note, a low note. Um, we had uh, one of the creators, one of the greats, Dennis O'Neill. A legendary comic book writer, you know, he worked for both Marvel and DC. He had a huge impact on revitalizing Batman. He passed away this past weekend, so we just wanted to, you know, acknowledge the fact that, you know, that we're we're all mourning his passing. And I know Carlos, you know, you've been reading Batman forever, and so you've you've read Dennis's work here. Um, do you got a few things you want to say, just in just in retrospective on on his life and and what he's contributed to the art of comic book? Oh, for sure, man. Like he he's an absolute legend in the field of comic books. And while he's not a Stan Lee type of guy at the same time, he added so much value and crafted so much of what we know and enjoy in the comic book space, not only with characters and 
um, new additions to the lore, but just the way stories are told that they're a bit more serious now and that they weren't afraid to tackle social issues. And like, for me, I owe that guy a debt because the Batman that we all know and love and that we all embraced was totally born from him. Like he stepped in after the sixties and the early seventies. And he was the guy that said, Hey, let's take Batman back to his roots. And if you love Batman, the animated series, if you love the way Batman is in the comic books right now, if you love the dark Knight trilogy, if you love what Zack Snyder is doing, all of that stuff in some way, shape or form was inspired by the work that he did. Um, and like when I talk about social issues, he did the landmark Green Arrow, Green Lantern miniseries. And in that he did things like have because heroin addiction was a big deal during the time. He gave Roy Harper Speedy his version of Robin or Green Arrow's version of Robin, I should say. A heroin addiction. Um, they kind of they're going across America. Green Lantern gets called out by an African-American man for not helping out people in his community, which led to the birth of John Stewart. Um, just amazing stuff like that. And then he crosses the floor, goes to Marvel for a while, uh, creates Obadiah Stane and the Ironmonger. So there you go. We don't get that first Iron Man movie without the things that come out of that guy's head. Characters like Madam Web and Hydro Man, like big parts of the Spider-Man lore were his. Um, and yeah, if you like Robin, Everything cool with Robin was born out of that guy. Like he's the guy that sent him to college with the Rachel Ghoul introduction, and that led to Dick Grayson becoming Nightwing. He was the guy tasked with having Jason Todd killed off. And it was interesting because this speaks to why I have so much respect for him. He watched the reaction in the mainstream media, and he has this beautiful quote where he's like, It made me realize that I'm not just a guy in a little corner telling funny stories. I'm a custodian for modern folklore. And he took that so seriously. And everything had to be done with a level of dignity and a level of class after that. And it shows in all the work that he's done. Superman Ruin with Neil Adams. He's the guy that hired some upstart writer named Frank Miller to do Daredevil. Crazy. And we all know where that led. Like, wow. guys contributed so much to all the stuff we love. And it wouldn't be what it is without him. But just such a quiet, humble dude. He's... Uh, He's not in your face and you don't really, um, a lot of people don't know who he is, but like I said, if you like modern comic books, a lot of that can be attributed to Denny O'Neill. So, yeah, no, that's, that's great. I'm glad you're able to, to bring some of that contextualization of what he's contributed to, to comic books. Cause I, I bet you there's a lot of people that don't know that about his, his impact and his legacy. You know, it's, it's sad that he passed away. But he is leaving, you know, a, a legacy that will live on, like you said, in comic book folklore and modern folklore forever. And if he's had that much of an impact on the movies and what's being done now just by what he was able to produce and, you know, doing dealing things with addiction and racism and all that is um, a very important piece because a lot of that is even in modern comic books is addressed directly head on right now, right? Um, yeah. Speaking about commentary around what's going on in the moment and so he's a guy that kind of by the sounds of it at least started to bring that into comic books right like like you said so um rest in peace danny and guys you got anything else you want to you want to say no i mean after all that history lesson there man forever grateful <laughs> awesome. i mean i look around my yeah. room and it's it's it spawns it's inspired by him so that's that's crazy that's crazy to know and uh really taking that all in man so rest in peace 
Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, I know he has appeared in some documentaries that DC has put out. Like they did one, The Secret History of DC Comics, and then I think like he is does appear in that one. And just like listening to his insight on the characters, I'm pretty sure it's that one. Or there was like another one. Um, can't remember who it was that or like that PBS show. But I know like I have like heard him speak about comics, and he just like seemed to be like such an interesting guy who totally got it. And Carlos. Thank you so much for bringing some of that like background in because like he's one of those people that like I've always known about like you've always heard his name but until you sit down and look at like all the characters that he created and everything that he's done with those characters and with the universe you don't really appreciate it so yeah well said and rest in peace uh, he left a lasting legacy though on for many years after he's gone all right, and it's it's always it's always difficult to transition off of uh, off of something like that, but it is someone that is is very celebrated, and so it's it's nice to see that. Let, let's transition into uh, so some of the the news for this week, guys. Let's talk some video games. You know, like I said at the top, I'm not a huge gamer, but I do find what's coming out to be immensely intriguing. And this past week, with the debut, I believe, of PS5, you know, the next you know big console that's coming out here in the not too distant future. And then some of the games that are coming with it is what we're going to talk about here, guys. And, and I'm going to really look to you, Troy and, and Carlos, to help contextualize some of this for me because I see some gorgeous, gorgeous trailers for both of these games we're going to talk about, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Star Squadrons. And they've got me intrigued, not intrigued enough to buy a console, but intrigued enough to, to go to YouTube like I do and watch all the cutscenes. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Uh, let's kick this off with, with Spider-Man Miles Morales. I'm going to throw this to you, Troy. This is a, a yeah, new man. game and expansion, I believe. You're going to have to you're going to have to bring some context to this for me. But it, it seemed, or at least it played in the trailer, like this was a brand new Miles Morales focused game that will be coming with the PS5. Now, there's a bit of conjecture in the news and some back and forth and some clarification by Insomniac, who is the game creator, as to exactly what this is. But I'm going to let you, Troy, and you, Carlos, explain this in a bit of detail because. I don't quite understand what it is. Is it a new game? Is it an expansion on the PS4 Spider-Man game that came out, what was it, a couple of years ago, a year or so ago? Yeah, 2018. Um, yeah. 2018. 20. So, Troy, what, what's your thoughts here, and what exactly is this Miles Morales game? Oh, thoughts right off the bat, man. I saw the trailer for this mm-hmm. thing, and I was like, Carlos, what's going on, man? And I saw the DM, the screenshot, and the yeah. screenshot was just like, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And I was like, cut the check man like this is crazy <laughs> um i'm a big fan of spider-man ps4 obviously but honestly in my opinion like i played a lot of games on the ps4 and no bias it's my favorite game on that console um it was groundbreaking what they did on there it played incredibly the web swinging the mechanics the costumes new york itself everything was fantastic so when i saw this i was, I was completely blown away now from what i've gathered insomnia came out later on and basically like you mentioned tim it's an expansion of the PS4 um, universe of Spider-Man. So I believe it's going to be like PS4 Spider-Man on the next gen. So uh, PS5, but you're going to get like a big slab of DLC content of Miles Morales. So it's like a, it's like if anybody out there has played the Metal Gear Solid franchise, it'd be like if they smacked ground, uh, was it ground zeros on top of like Metal Gear Solid five, basically. So it's just like a a huge, I don't want to say a huge game, but almost like a, um, a bigger demo almost of Spider-Man uh, Miles Morales, but on the PS5. Because basically you're not getting a sequel. I mean, it just wouldn't make sense. Um, the game only came out two years ago, Spider-Man PS4. So in order for us to get a sequel two years later with all the content, what they did, it just wouldn't, 
it would feel rushed. So I think what they're doing right now is something kind of like in between, like a Spider-Man 1.5, basically is what we'd be okay. getting. Um, with, you know, obviously you uh, gain control of Miles Morales because that game, no spoilers, but I mean, the PS4 one did hint heavily that we're going to get some action with Miles um, going forward. So, um, yeah, man, I think it's I think it's all the right moves. And when, you know, maybe 2022 is when we get the Spider-Man PS4 sequel in full effect because that story really didn't end and we're getting so much more, um, obviously, from the Sibiot suit and the Osborne family. Oh. There's so much more to go off of, which is Peter's story and not Miles. So I think by them giving us this taste of Miles um, with new mechanics, same gameplay, though, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, it sounds exciting. And like you said, it looks mm. just amazing. Yeah, man. And now, Carlos, you you had you were wavering on Twitter a bit. You know, this was a day one purchase PS5 Miles Morales type thing for you, and then you pulled back a little bit because of this being more of an expansion on the PS4 Spider-Man game. Um, with some contextualization by by Insomniac, has you have that moved the needle enough for you? You know, you you look pretty pretty blown away by the trailer and all that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite the roller coaster. Like I'm in the same boat as Troy with Spider-Man. PS4, like that's probably one of my favorite versions of just Spider-Man and his lore ever. Like it was yeah. just the perfect modernization of it. Like they stripped it down, reintroduced all those villain characters, or at least yes. most of them from the ground up. But they did such a beautiful job building them up. And there was dynamics in place that we'd never seen before, but they felt so natural because they'd done such a good job with the characters and whatnot. Yeah. They t- made some bold moves as far as Peter's family and his relationships go. And like with these games, like if it's something like this, like I'm pretty good. Like we'll talk and I'm sure Troy rolls his eyes when I'm like the guy hunting for like that $5 off on the digital sale versus buying the game used (laughs) or whatever. But then when it comes to these games, it's like, Oh, Batman Arkham Knight's coming out. I got to buy the Batman Arkham Knight PS4. And then Spider-Man comes out and it's like, well, I should upgrade to a pro, but not get rid of my (laughs) Arkham one. So I need the Spider-Man PS4. So I, after seeing that trailer that's where i was at i was like oh yeah miles morales edition ps5 let me know let me know and then uh yeah word starts coming out that it's just gonna be the original game with like a a dlc edition to it and that really took the wind out of my sails because they certainly presented it as though it was going to be its own game um and then yeah we've had some clarification now that it's going to be like a supplement to the original game where like Mm -hmm. you put it perfectly like spider-man 1.5 where it'll be maybe something like uncharted lost legacy where it's a second bit of game but not nearly as long like yeah i don't know how long spider-man ps4 was like maybe a 12 to 16 hour game and this will be four to eight kind of thing but uh yeah we'll see if it is going to be a short experience i'm almost hoping that they bring out just a premium price dlc for the existing game play it on there and then wait for the killer ip for the ps5 but uh we'll see that trailer was effective though like very much so it blew me away and i showed it to my youngest daughter and she's decided to start playing spider-man ps4 so (laughs) it's painful to watch and to help her out with like painful but uh yeah she stuck with it just beat the shocker before we started recording nice. so uh That's a fun really? fight. <laughs> yeah wow. so, so it, it was an effective uh effective trailer from insomniac and uh yeah i'm crossing my fingers that it's it's something good and something worth the price of entry 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it's smart too on Insomniac and Sony because I believe what we get into the there was a little bit of an announcement that we're getting uh, Spider Verse Two has started um some sort of production mm-hmm. I believe yeah. right? right so if the timing's right I mean Sony nailed it last time when we got Infinity War and Spider Man was awesome in it we got the PS4 game we got I think uh, a, a huge Spider Man comic event too that year um, eight hundred. It was just before 800. I think it was actually the Spider-Verse sequel uh, comic. How did I forget it? Spider-Verse. Oh, I forgot Edge it. The Spider-Verse? It was no, one with like, like, the, like Miles, the Spider-Vampire like Miles the guys, right? Yeah, Miles was in the lead for it. Yeah, I lose my mind why I can't remember right now. But um, <laughs> it was basically Spider-Man-centric. And uh, Spider-Verse was obviously huge. And then that video game, PS4, like you mentioned, Carlos, like, not only was it a great game, it's probably one of the best stories uh, we've heard, modern-day stories we've heard of the character. So um, it's going to be cool, too, because, I mean, get us getting like a chance to play this game, and then when we go into part two of Spider-Man, they don't really need to do any kind of tweaking or reintroduction of Miles. He'll just be, like, ready to go and play because mm-hmm. there's obviously going to be some back and forth between Peter and Miles in the, in the big sequel. So um, I think it's cool. It's just testing the waters too for the next, uh, next gen man, next gen system. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Very exciting. And coming along with that almost parallel to it, you know, EA, I think there was a leak on this and then EA decided to release the whole thing. Cause I believe that EA play is, is either happening or it's coming up or it's already happened, but uh, just an event, but it's star Wars squadrons. So this is another star Wars game coming from EA. And this came with a very cinematic looking trailer. You know, we've got the Empire versus the New Republic. So my guess is the time frame here is somewhere just after Return of the Jedi. So fitting nicely into the space that we'd like to see them expanding the lore on. This is your Alphabet Squadron type time frame. Your, uh, I guess what we're getting into with the Mandalorian and all that. And this is dogfight. This is, you know, down and dirty X-Wings versus TIE Fighters. This is something that I haven't played a Star Wars game since, you know, Nintendo 64, I think Rogue Squadron or something like that. (laughs) I remember playing it when I was sick. And (laughs) this, this again, isn't something that I'm going to jump into. But Troy, you coming off, and then Carlos, you just recently with the family too, coming off of Battlefront and Star Wars gaming. How are you guys feeling about how what Star Wars Squadrons looks like? This multiplayer as well as single player campaign type of game you know i think it's coming out in october so we don't have too long to wait for this to hit but carlos are you, are you going to be dipping into this with the family coming off the back end of your your play with um with battlefront yeah you know i i saw that trailer and i'll my thought process was this looks amazing but it's ea so i'm not buying it anytime <laughs> soon because i didn't want to get hammered with like the premium pricing and microtransactions yeah. and like a stunted uh single player campaign but then yeah they came out almost immediately as though they read my mind and they're like yeah this thing's going to be 40 bucks and no microtransactions and complete campaign day one so yeah you know what it's it's definitely on the radar like i loved the space battles and more so just the way the missions were constructed in battlefront 2 I thought the like the one with this like the old docking station that you have to go into and whatnot. Like I thought they did an admirable job with the space combat stuff in Battlefront Two. So to see that kind of fleshed out and some of the ship mechanics um, idealized a bit more would be cool. Like I've always liked the idea of those those type of games. Like I remember kind of forcing life into the old like whatever it was like. IBM 356 or whatever to play X-Wing versus TIE Fighter back in the day. So 
Yeah, it's always been something I enjoy. But uh, yeah, if if they stay true to their word and if it's a decent length campaign, I'm I'm in. Give them my forty bucks, sixty bucks Canadian, yeah. and off we go. <laughs> <laughs> we always factor in that conversion now. <laughs> now, Troy, man, you got you got to be excited about this. At least at least they didn't show a lot of at least from what I can tell the gameplay mechanics and what the campaign's going to look like. But mm. the story that they're telling within this and expanding up into this kind of dogfight, X-Wing, TIE Fighter type of, of gameplay. This this mm. has got to intrigue you? Uh, you know, not so much. You know, I'm kind of like you, Tim, actually. You know, way back, I used to love, like, the, the Rogue Squadron games. Um, and Carlos, you know, you, you brought me back because the ones were GameCube, I think you gifted me. And I, and I love those. That's where my heart is with some of those. But I'm... Um, I like experiencing the dogfights on the big screen. I like watching them mm-hmm. more so than playing them. Um, I agree with you, Carlos. I did like Battlefront's um, uh, ship mechanics. Mechanics. I just hated the Millennium Falcon one when I had to control that oh. thing. That thing is not made for <laughs> dogfights when played. So that kind of, uh, you know, te- peed me off a bit. But um, it's cool. I like I like where they're going with it. And for me, it's not it's not a big draw for me. But I like what EA is doing as a whole, just because they've given us a first person shooter. They've given us um, a third person uh, behind the shoulder experience, like a Dark Souls experience with um, Fallen Jedi. And I think it's you know it's the uh, the dogfight kind of experience turn now. So it's cool that we're hitting all platforms from the shooters to the lightsaber combat to uh, the ship battles. So all we need next, man, is that role playing game, which is Knights of the Old Republic. That's all we need, and I'll be there. First thing, but I think it's a good look. Um, it's just it's probably something that I'm not uh, gonna pick up. Mm-hmm. But I like I like where they're going. I think it's a great move. It's just not for me. Yeah, yeah and they're really expanding the stores gaming, right? Like you you listed mm-hmm. off there. Like in the last couple of years, you've gotten so much content from this space, and it's great. And like I love the lore that they pick up in here too. You see Hera in this. Yeah. You see Wedge. Like come on, like that's the stuff i love right yeah is it's it's weaving in that rebels and that ot lore into what they're doing post return of the jedi i don't yes. know if video are video games considered canon they are yes they fallen are. jedi's canon um obviously the multiplayer factor of uh, battlefront isn't but mm-hmm. i mean the campaign is is canon there with i i forgot the the leads uh name oh i didn't versio I mean, yeah, yeah, which is mm-hmm. cool because the actual actress is like motion captain, like yeah. looks identical. So, so that's obviously canon uh, just before Force Awakens. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if she shows up in in live action one day, unless she met her demise in the uh, the video game. But she's she's ripe for a turn on live action. Um, yeah, well, she's got a she's a cool character and had she an is. awesome arc. Like, yeah, just I was turn. so impressed just, with that. It, for me, I don't want to get too much into it, but for me, is this return went a little too fast from where she be started to where she ended. But I, I think she's a great character, right? Her story was cool because we needed that after Battlefront 1 where there was like zero campaign. <laughs> I love that <laughs> Battlefront 2 really, you know, gave us a pretty cool story and some pretty interesting characters and interactions with other characters that are, are the mainstays in the in the franchise. So uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. No, it's good. Yeah. Oh, it's Battlefront a- 1, man. I'll never forget like 90 bucks and I played it for like a day and i was like oh i don't know about this and then like by the by the weekend i was just like oh i need to get rid of this thing it was like 90 bucks i i phoned eb i was like what's the trading value on this 13 dollars oh Oh, man that's the first game out of the gates too that's the first game you know coming for next to mobile games um from the new era of star wars right Uh, yeah oh yeah i wasn't the only one like 
that really hurt Battlefront 2 because people were so mad about the first one. Yeah. That didn't jump on with that second one. Yeah. Well, it looks it looks like Sonny and I are going to be doing some over-the-shoulder watching on some of this stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I think when the PS5 comes out, I may get back into gaming. Yeah. Sonny, you're making yeah. the leap. See, I was big into sports gaming, like Madden, yes. NHL, and like... I remember, like, at university, I would skip lectures and just go play, like, the new NHL game or, like, uh, new stuff for PS3 with, like, online. And I kind of yeah. missed it. With PS4, I missed the boat. And, like, also with, like, uh, superhero games, like, I missed all the Batman games. I have one on PS3. I think it's Batman Arkham City or Arkham oh. Knight. And, I, and I'm going to, yeah. like, okay, I'm going to play that before, like, the PS5 comes out. And then, like, if, if it is, like, if it does, like, get my attention... Yeah, man, I'll totally like uh, get on the PS5 boat because I think it's supposed to come out when November, December. About November, between that December and November. Okay, right yeah, Christmas, man, man, right in time for <laughs> yeah. Christmas, and yeah, I think I'm gonna jump back into gaming. So watch yeah. out, world! It's a whole new Sunjay. Jeez, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be the man on the island here then. <laughs> well, man, I I just I'm telling you, man, we gotta do um, that Marvel Ultimate Alliance. You know, like on I think it was PS2, PS3 with like four player mode and yeah. all four of us should play it. I, I know like people are like posting video game stuff now. I think people can do that where they play. It's, I don't know. It's a but, massive uh, market. <laughs> I think, I think we should get on that. Cause like that would be a ton of fun to play that game with just, four people as opposed to you and three computers that just don't do anything. Just me running in the corner. Like <laughs> you, you can be that? Captain America. We will let you be Captain America. You ever see that episode of the office where they're playing, it's like the second season and they're all playing. I can't remember what game it doesn't matter, but Jim's like in the corner running, throwing grenades or throwing punches and everyone else has got sniper. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to be that guy just kind of running in the corner. Grabs will get that reference. <laughs> yeah. Man, All right. So I'll be joining you and I'll probably, I'll, I'll get Spider-Man. Cause I did play, like, I remember playing the movie game and that yeah. was, that was good, but that was like a long time ago. Like I'm talking about like the very first movie game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when you pass it and then you can be the Green Goblin, and it's just yeah. so much easier because the Green lighter. Goblin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, guys, we we talked about some video games here. Let's let's move over before we get into the Batman Forever retrospective look here. Let's talk about you know cons. You know, we we talked a few weeks ago about San Diego Comic Con officially canceled, them moving to an online forum, and that's been announced that that's going to be July twenty second through the twenty sixth. So keeping those dates. And they're going to be doing things virtually, you know, bringing you panels, releases and all this. And they even started releasing the exclusives online here. I grabbed the, the retro Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle exclusive on the kind of what they called their day eight of releases. So we're seeing that come out. There's going to be panels from gaming, television and film. So we're going to get that content here towards the end of July. So that's that's quite exciting. And we've, we've kind of framed out how we think this is the way, the, the future, right? You know, adapt or die type thing. These cons are going to have to go through this, this evolution into the next step. And that's taking a lot of this online. You know, you've seen places like Celebration and San Diego even had moved into this space a little bit where they're starting to live stream some of this. So you got the in-person experience. Plus, you know, you could kind of get the feels from what we usually do is kind of armchair it at home over those weekends and just, you know, incessantly tweet about it. But this past week, we got two pretty substantial announcements about, you know, what the 
future of cons looks like, at least in 2020. And I think this is going to really mark, this is going to be you know, a point in history where we see this pivot change into something different. You know, the physical con, I don't think will ever go away, but it's going to change forever. We had Celebration, Star Wars Celebration, which I had tickets to. Guys, I don't think I'm meant to go to a Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Last Celebration, I was gifted, you know, the birth of, of a beautiful, beautiful child. And I didn't end up going because she was born like two days before <laughs> Celebration happened. <laughs> I got strict instructions from my good friend, Rob Cast nine months before Celebration 2020 stay away from your wife <laughs> just just don't this time so i made that happen made the sacrifice got the tickets and then Celebrate the world too. served up a, a freaking pandemic <laughs> and so know, all these acts of god tim i don't know what you did but, but uh, some good some... thing dc is like on the horizon for you man because yeah although you better not ruin this for us <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sanjay, well, we don't want him to be a DC fan, right? Maybe. He's gonna like trip the wire, and then we can't get any of the video. Footage. Then it just it just happened. The internet goes down in Canada for that, that one day. Yeah. yeah. But so, Star Wars Celebration has been officially canceled this year. Right call, right choice. The same way that San Diego Comic Con is doing everything. You know, these mass gatherings just not gonna happen. They have announced that it will return to Anaheim in 2022. So two year wait to actually get back to a celebration. So Star Wars is going to look dramatically different in 2022 than it does or would have in 2020. But the interesting thing with that is it did come with an announcement of a virtual supplement or virtual replacement to Star Wars Celebration, which to be honest with you actually shocked me. I thought for sure they're going to line people up. Like you look at what Josh Gad's doing, what everyone's doing with Zoom and all that. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a stretch to throw together a few panels. But that's not happening, guys. They're they're putting the lid on celebration, at least for now. We don't maybe they will announce something virtually, but you'd think that with the same announcement that they're canceling, they're gonna announce what's next. And they didn't quite get there. So I'm excited. I'm transferring my tickets to 2022, as are I believe most people that I know that are that we're supposed to go. And then here comes DC. You know, we've been talking a lot about DC over the past couple of weeks. They've been making some huge strides and you know making their fandom accessible bringing you the content you know with hbo max with all the production they got wonder woman 84 you know bagged and ready to be delivered the batman the suicide squad james gunn out there you know answering lots of questions and then dc hits us today the day after celebration is announced with dc fandom now this is coming from warner brothers they announced an unprecedented 24-hour global fan event that will feature virtual presentations from across every medium in DC. So we're talking television, video games, comic books, film, everything. And they're effectively building, I guess this is where the dome comes from. They're building a, you know, a universe, a multiverse of fan virtual rooms, virtual, in the similar fashion, you have Hall H and you have all this different stuff. So they're bringing us the content, guys. You can go here. I think the Hall of Heroes is like the Hall H of what this is, what's going on. Oh. Cool. And so that you're going to have accessibility to all these different rooms where you can go for the television stuff, the comic stuff, Jim Lee's tweeting. So they, they've really brought together, like, again, this unprecedented event, you know, streaming in 10 different languages. You know, they, they've got a commitment from the entirety of what they're producing. We're likely to see, and this is coming from the reps, footage from the Batman, the Suicide Squad, even right down to Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Justice League cut. We're likely to probably get a freaking trailer for that in some capacity. So, <laughs> Another like, trailer. 
Another trailer, yeah. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> but th- this is huge. Sunny Man, you know, we, we've been talking about the virtual experience for a while here. Throw me some of your comments on on what DC is doing. And do you see this as significant of an event as I'm seeing this, you know, from the perspective of I think this is game changing, not only for DC, but for conventions themselves. If they can pull this off relatively flawlessly, this may be a, a staple, a yearly event that is pulled off where they can involve everybody that wants to sit, everyone that has a phone or a laptop, whatever, man. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, man. Like this is super. This is super exciting. Like you think about everything that they're bringing to the table. Like DC has been bringing it for like years now. Like you think about it, the movies. You know they're hitting on all cylinders. And then you got the TV shows. You got the live action TV shows. You got the CW universe. You got like the DC universe app. You got the HBO shows. You know, and then you got the animated shows with like Teen Titans Go and like Harley Quinn. And then you got like the comics and then you have the video games have been killing it. So I think this is like a perfect time for DC to kind of like, you know, take their moment in the sun and be like, we have this like expansive multimedia universe that we've been building. And like, we got something for everyone. You know, it's like, that's the cool thing is like, you can watch something like Teen Titans Go. You can watch that with your, you know, your four-year-old, your five-year-old. And then when they go to bed, you can throw in Watchmen, the TV show, and then you can watch that without them. Like, that's the cool thing about DC is like from ages like four to 100, there's something for everyone. And like the stuff that they're throwing, like uh, Shazam 2, they're going to have like Shazam part and then Aquaman panel and then Wonder Woman 84, Black Adam, The Flash even, Batman, Suicide Squad. Like you think of all these projects and i was getting a little bit worried with um with what's going on in the world that you know these projects may have just been pie in the sky where they just said okay you know we were gonna make this movie we were gonna make green arrow supermax you know or we were gonna make justice league mortal you know um i was worried that these films were going to become like lures where we like look in like 20 years and it's like what you know what black adam movie could have been and now that they're having this panel it's not like a hundred percent concrete, but now it's starting to feel like, okay, like I can, you know, maybe let my guard down a little bit and be like, you know, I think we're going to be getting like all this glorious content that we're promised. And it's just super exciting. Like the fact that they're doing this and like, as you said, it's got something for everyone and it's, it's just, it's just super cool. And the one, like the biggest, the biggest takeaway, the biggest takeaway that I want from this is I want the DC fandom to heal. Like, I want us to come together. I am so sick of this, like, like nobody hates DC comic films more than other DC fans. Like, the, the amount of hate between, like, the fans that go on online that I see every day. And it's just, like, we're all DC fans. At the end of the day, we're all fans of Batman. We're all fans of Superman, Wonder Woman. We all love DC. And it all, you know, it's all DC and it all counts whether it's not your thing from something like shazam where it's a little bit more comedic but i think it's fantastic but you know it it may not be your thing or like batman even like batman and robin you know that thing may not be your thing but it's still dc it's part of like this like magical like quilt like a fabric of time where it's just like all interwoven and interconnected and it's all interconnected you know what i mean like it's all dc it's all there and it's all it's for everyone and you know let's let's come together as dc fans and let's stop this like bullshit like civil war that we've been having 
and let's just all appreciate like this golden age that we're living in. And I think like this is going to showcase that. It's like, could you imagine when you were like, when Batman Forever came out 25 years ago, that we would be talking about a Black Adam movie, that we would be talking about like a Justice League Dark TV series, that we would be talking about a Shazam movie and a Shazam sequel. Like this is nuts. And like, let's just live in the glory days in the land of milk and honey and let's just like enjoy all the dc gold that we're that we're just about to get i don't like milk and i don't like honey (laughs) (laughs) well if you're lactose intolerant and you're watching your sugar intake the land of almond milk and super i don't know (laughs) (laughs) well if i could sum up sum up all all that for you sanjay i'd say that you'd probably agree that dc is taking a step in the right direction with all of this <laughs> you know i i still i still like to see them take it a little bit further you know it's, it's just it's just a little baby step <laughs> <laughs> well i tell you with all this with this year and i'm gonna throw it to you next year troy i i feel this is like for me the significance of this and this is where what really triggered this discussion in my head was this is the first time that I feel that DC has taken a step in front of Marvel, in front of Star Wars, and got out in front. Like they've been doing some really great stuff over the last couple of years, and we we've been having a blast talking about DC over the last couple of months, especially you know with everything that's coming, the excitement around it. But today was the first time when I read this article, I was like, wow, they moved in front of Lucasfilm, they moved in front of Marvel Studios in this space. Like this is huge. Like Troy, do you, do you see this as being that size of an event that it actually starts to really shift DC's position in this the the, the franchises that we talk about here it's not a franchise war but like you always said Troy you know competition breeds ingenuity it breeds you know that next step evolution and DC doing this I think is is them taking it to the you know that evolution to Marvel and Star Wars you know of the big three that we talk about yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you guys both. I I feel like right now this has the potential to be like, you know, the PS5 DC and Marvel's kind of like the Xbox right now. I, I think they could run with this, man. I think mm-hmm. this is this is a good look. They have everyone's attention right now. Um, there's so many things they could do. Sonny, you mentioned uh, Supermax, Green Arrow. We've been we've been banging that drum for a while, and I hope it happens. I think that makes perfect sense right now if they made that reveal with Arrow being done. Um, Green Arrow has his fan base. I think that. Man, I love that idea. Um, so cool. But, I couldn't um, even imagine. If they announce that, don't even expect oh. me next week because my head will have exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. There's so many platforms like, from the video games. Like, you know, we'll probably get the, the Arkham reveal. Um, you know, we're big Mortal Kombat guys, me and Carlos. I'm sure we might even get an Injustice 3, just the title card. You don't even have to give us more than that. Just the title card alone for Injustice 3 could be money. Um, the movies, like everything they're doing here from the comic books, like... I love this. And I love that, you know, going forward, this is a game changer. Like we could very well see a lot of other studios doing this. We could see, I guess we already do have a D23 kind of thing situation, but it could maybe just be maybe even bigger. Like we can also emphasize on the comic books and like other things as opposed to just the movies. Um, I think this is this is huge. And I'm really, really stoked to see what they're going to do here. I'm going to be, I think it's a 24 hour stream. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a good, that's going to be a good time, man. Checking out all this stuff. I just, I can't wait for the reveals, you know, probably some looks at wonder woman, obviously. And um, maybe we get some insight more on this Amazon show or Amazonian show or series or movie that they're, they've been talking about a little bit, but um yeah, I'm just I'm just pumped, man. And uh, that that Justice League Snyder cut, man. I want to see more of this. I want to yeah. see 
my boy uh, Affleck back in the mix. I want to see what that's <laughs> going to be looking like. So yeah, all around, I I love this man. This is this is a good time to be a fan, and I agree with you, Sonny. I think um. <clears throat> It's time for fandom. I know it's easier said than done, but just to all come together and not just from uh, DC, but Star Wars as well, yeah. uh, especially. But yeah. I feel like DC has been getting better. I really do. I really feel like um, it's been a lot more positive, I would say. And I think I think that Snyder Cut's kind of really been a big step up in that direction. I think it's kind of healed a lot of wounds, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So can't wait to see, man. Can't wait yeah. to see. Very exciting. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Goddamn Batman. Look, <laughs> August 27. August 22nd, I should say, at 10 a.m. or Pacific Time, 1, I guess, what is that here? That's uh, 11 o'clock Mountain Time. I'm assuming the goddamn Batfam goes into 24-hour lockdown and tunes in <laughs> to DCFandom.com for this live stream. You know, bounce around between the different rooms, man. Your house has got to be, you know, super pumped for an event like this and the accessibility that it brings to the whole family. Oh, you know it, man. Like, it's going to be amazing. Like, no using the microwave. We don't want anything interfering with the Wi-Fi. Like, just eat where you're going to eat out of the fridge because uh, there ain't no interrupt in this train, baby. Like, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like, to hit on what you guys were saying, like, you kind of hinted at um, DC being, like, a pioneer for the first time in a long time, right? Like, it's kind of... We brought the game with Christopher Reeve's Superman and then kicked it up a notch with Batman 89. And then since then we've kind of been the follower kind of thing. So yeah, I, I love where this is going. I love the mindset behind it. Like Sonny said that it's a celebration of all things DC. It's like, Hey, look at all the cool things we're doing in comics and look, and even just how it's set up as these domes where it's just like, Hey, if you want comics and comic book content, it's here. If you're a kid and you're just learning about us for the first time, we got your own little section over here. And if you're somebody who came to us from the CW, then CW, here's all your shows and some of the stuff we're doing in HBO Max. And if you're just for the movies, here's the movie reveals. Here's our talent in the Hollywood space. And yeah, it's exciting. And, you know, kind of like Troy, you alluded to, like, this might be the moment, it, you know, everybody knows I, I love Marvel. I got half a sleeve of Marvel characters tattooed on my arm. But at the <laughs> same time, it's like, you look at the upcoming Marvel projects and all due respect to the creatives and what they're doing with it. But it's like, if you're lining up like a black widow movie that we already know where she came from and you already know where it's going and you got Shang-Chi and like the Eternals. And then on the other side of the house, you got Wonder Woman, the Batman and the suicide squad with James Gunn at the helm. Like it's pretty exciting stuff. Like if, if you're going to make some noise, do it now, right? And then that's to say nothing about like freaking Greg Berlanti doing like a big budget Green Lantern show. Like, right. come on. They trot out Travante Rhodes as John Stewart. <laughs> come on. That, that's the dude. Yeah, that's that's the pick for that one, right? And then there's rumblings like um they've confirmed that Warner Brothers games has stuff on the horizon. So there's been a few things teased out that maybe a Batman versus the court of owls or bat fam versus the court of owls game as a sequel to the Arkham games, or maybe it's a reboot. If it's a reboot, you get to play with all the toys and, but you got that sweet game engine. That's a proven commodity injustice. It's kind of the time, right? MK is a year and a half, two years out from 11. So injustice three in, um, nether, nether realms release cycle. It's right there. Like, and we haven't even talked about like 
JJ Abrams mm-hmm. doing yeah. stuff. Yeah. And Soups. like, a he- yeah, the JJ right. Soups reveal. I think oh. that that could be coming. Like, and the fact that everyone is all in. Like the BVS Twitter account resurrected for the first time <laughs> ever. And they were tweeting about this thing happening. TNT was tweeting yeah. about this happening. Like wow. everyone. Yeah. So yeah. James Gunn, he was like beside himself excited about doing his reveal for the Suicide Squad. And yeah. they've changed so the color palette behind it and whatnot wow. and integrated with the new logo and yeah, it's it's good. And just they haven't even forgot their core business. Like that Jim Lee is like, hey, we want all the people doing like portfolio submissions and fan creations and whatever else to start putting your stuff in now. So then we can integrate it into our event in August. Like amazing. I mm-hmm. I love it. It's uh, it was a long time in the wilderness. Like there was a time where it was like, you know. Maybe I liked it better when I was the only guy that was into this stuff. <laughs> this is a mess. But uh... yeah. Well, this is it. And for them to take on something like this, look, my guess is that this wasn't, and maybe it was, but I'm guessing that the, the state of the world has pushed them in this direction. So they were able to come up with this concept in like three to four months. Like there's, there's no word of this being a physical thing ever. And maybe I'm not giving them enough credit with them planning this out and being kind of the front runner for this virtual thing. But this seems like it's a it's a a reaction to what's going on. And the fact that, you know, there's a really good chance that you're gonna see, you know, everyone from Cavill to The Rock to like everyone that has contributed or is contributing to DC in some capacity is going to take part in this. And that's what this virtual thing does. Not only does it bring together the fandom every from every continent, but also easily brings together a lot of these guys that, you know, have a hard time getting to one place at one time. You know, when you look at like what they've done in the past with Marvel and DC guys, they've flown them from London for a 10 minute appearance at San Diego Comic-Con because they're all on set on a, on a movie set. So this year, next level, next step. I am pumped for this. You know, my, my DC fandom is spiking as, as we talk about this Ooh. every single week. You know, I'm more and more intrigued by everything just because everything is firing on, you know, just all together, like all cylinders are firing and it's, it just, it's coming together in a really big way. And I, I love this and I, I want to be, you know, I'm jealous right now. I want Marvel to do something like this. I want them just to take the blueprint and copy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> do the same thing. You just no. had a 23 film universe that culminated in <laughs> Endgame. Okay. <laughs> Let us have this. That's that's yeah. fair. That's fair. But this, I'm this will change set up paradigm, Tim. Just think, tomorrow, Strange Adventures two comes out. Oh, it's hitting just, the shelves. Just embrace man. It's that. It's hitting the shelves. Yes, finally. <laughs> Thank you, Tom King. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> no, this is very very exciting stuff, guys. And we're gonna keep on this this DZ thread for the rest of the episode because we're gonna walk right now into our batman forever retrospective so guys this isn't a review like we normally do this is just a discussion a look back at this film 25 years out from its release june 16th 1995 hell that makes all of us feel old i feel like like yeah 25 uh, years <laughs> since this has a long time like you could what, what's the like service in canada if you kill someone you get 25 years in jail so like we, we just served like a life sentence life that's sentence. how long <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and that's didn't kill somebody after watching this. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he's just getting out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I was just like, oh, I'm a free man. I'm gonna jump onto a podcast. Yeah, this is <laughs> podcasting from prison ever since. <laughs> we were pen paling him for a while to test him out. 
<laughs> so guys, this this is really a, a pivot point in in the Batman film universe. You know, we're coming off, like you said, Carl, the praise that Batman any guy got. And it was that that total shift from what people were used to in 66, you know, the campy sort of Adam West Batman. And we're moving into that what was at the time considered a very dark version of Batman with 89. And then we progress from 1989 to 92 we get batman returns which continues with the same thread same director same actors you know we still had michael keaton in that role we had burton you know driving this universe in a certain direction and now come to 95 we've got batman forever and this is often like i said that pivotal point where we see a tonal shift or at least what i always perceived as to be a tonal shift from you know remembering 25 years ago when i first watched this and this is something that we're definitely going to get into as sanjay alluded to but this is where the reins of the franchise were handed off to Joel Schumacher at the desire, I believe, of Warner Brothers because returns didn't, you know, didn't really return that box office that they were hoping for that was coming off for a sequel to a highly praised and highly successful film in Batman 89. And they decided they wanted something a bit more toyetic and a bit more family friendly, bring in those big audiences to enjoy the Batman films and kind of you know, bring them, I wouldn't say back to 66, but to a point where it's it's a bit more consumable. You know, the, the violence and dark overtones are, you know, somewhat turned down so that they could, you know, bring in, a, you know, another walk of, of DC fandom. And I, I think, to be honest with you, you can really see it in this. And I'll let you have the mic here in a second, Sanjay, with Batman Forever's tone. You know, it, it is different. You know, Schumacher came in, Burton takes the producer role, they change up a lot of the characters. Our villains themselves are, I would say, quite campy. And we're going to talk about them too. But, you know, let, let's look at this thing, guys. Let's just pause for a minute here. We've contextualized a little bit there. You know, the release, the, the shift in tone, what Forever actually was. It was, you know, to me, is about selling toys and a big part of it. And, you know, making that box office, you know, making it appealing to a wider audience. But Carlos, man, from your perspective, the goddamn Batman, you know, you're sitting in the theater in 1995 watching this after coming off the back <laughs> of 89 of Returns, man. You're a serious Batman comic book reader, a collector. How, how are you feeling about this? You know, taking yourself back, how are you feeling about walking in a theater from Batman Forever? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm jazzed for this discussion because, like, as we sit and we hang out and um, have some laughs together, like, the six to 10 years age difference between us, it's no big deal as adults, but like six to 10 years back then that mm -hmm. puts me in high school and you guys in like elementary school, <laughs> if yeah. not target audience. Out, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's a, the paradigm is totally different for us, for us, but uh, yeah, like I was jazzed for this movie. I um, had like a part-time job at a grocery store and I conned one of the older guys working there. I was like, dude, I will buy you, your ticket and I need to get a drive to the theater because I got to go to this midnight show on a Batman forever. <laughs> and so, yeah, I like totally took advantage of like the lonely guy looking for a friend, like in retrospect, it was kind of <laughs> weird that <laughs> it was the 90s. I, like, yeah. I just, I needed a guy with a car and uh, it's like, Hey dude, uh, do you mind driving me? But uh, yeah, I went to midnight show Batman forever and you know what? I really liked it the first time because it was a, uh, a lot more in your face, like a lot more Batman action. And, uh, you know, maybe the midnight show being a bit tired as a kid, like factored into that. And then I remember being like almost embarrassed because I had talked it up at work and whatnot and at school for a couple of days. And I went and saw it again, like, like the Sunday or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is 
this is really bad. And like these serious two face moments, like what, why, why didn't I pick up on this the first time? And, uh, yeah, like it was like, I can't totally crap on the movie because like to this day, like I had it on yesterday night and my wife's like, Oh, you say that all the time. And, Oh, you quote that all the time. And it, my buddy and I like to this day, like I, we gave him an air fryer and he's like, Oh, what do I owe you? And, like do you want me to pick it up and i'm just like ah you know what call my sister margaret and she'll set something up like this is 25 (laughs) years later right still using those lines so i do have a a bit of a soft spot for it loads and loads and loads of toys and merch from it but uh yeah at the same time like it's not good boys like it's just (laughs) it's so loud and it's got this horrible score and there's just so many bizarre choices to the aesthetic to it and to me as like i've said it before with like when we're talking about future dc projects and things that worked for me and didn't work for me it's always about the characters and it's always about doing them justice and in my mind's eye from when i was a kid to today it's like you can tell that val kilmer did not want to be batman and would just sleepwalking yeah yeah just sleepwalking through that role and he's like a talented actor when he wants to be but uh, and just a few months ago there was an interview with him where he talks about getting angry because warren buffett's family comes to the set of batman forever and either somebody said it to him or he had the epiphany that it's not about val kilmer it's about batman and it's like yeah no shit, Sherlock. Like, it's not... <laughs> nobody's coming to see Val Kilmer the movie. They want to see Batman the movie. But the dude's ego couldn't reconcile that. And it came out in the performance. And I think, like, to this day, like, I still... Yeah, I'd hate that dude for that. Like, it just... <laughs> why can't you be as passionate about this as Chris O'Donnell? Yeah, like, he was awesome. <laughs> he's amazing. Like... Yeah, just the other day, like my wife bought me a new pair of shorts and I still every time I put on a new pair of clothes and walk downstairs. I do it the same way he does that strut when he's walking out. <laughs> do you do your <laughs> laundry not the same way when you dry it? The ninja yeah. laundry? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm not allowed to do laundry anymore. <laughs> well, let's, so, let's, let's, let's swing this perspective. I'm going to leave you till last year, Sanjay, because I'm just going to let you right. see there over and uh, wanting to <laughs> really give this the heat the praise on it. But Troy, man. Yeah, man. What's your thoughts here on, on Batman Forever? High level. Remember back as a kid, like we're we're all the same age, you, me, and Sanjay. And yeah. like this came out and it was just like, yes, this is a toy commercial for two hours. Mm. Everything mm. from Jim Carrey's Ace Ventura impression of Riddler <laughs> right through to the bat sonar suit and all this. The Robin, you know, Dick Grayson hitting the screen for the first time, man. Yeah. Uh, let's 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 go back to, to young Troy's mind frame, man. Do you remember yeah. do you remember seeing this thing? Yeah, I remember seeing this. I can't remember what theater it was over here, but I remember the marketing, man, from the McDonald's commercials. Mm. I still have the glasses. I loved, loved the look of the Riddler's question mark with the bat symbol underneath. Yeah. The do- like, that was just so iconic, the green who's. But you know what? Like, it's been forever <laughs> since I've seen this movie. <laughs> so for me, it's always been like that nostalgia factor. Like, yeah, I really enjoyed this as a kid. So when I went to, like, watch this film, I was expecting the worst thing ever. But you know what? I got to tell you, like, I had a freaking blast. Like, so okay. Right? I, I was watching this thing and I was like, this is gold. This is gold. Carlos, don't leave. This is yeah. gold. Um, I got to say for oh, me, the nostalgia worst, lenses, right? <laughs> they're they're, they're the powerful things. things. 
the worst thing for me was uh was Two Face. A Two Face yes. this, like, this Dick Tracy slash weird Joker that just if he was just actually just Two Face, this could have been that much better. But Riddler for me like worked on all cylinders. Like I, I think like Jim Carrey owned it because he already had that persona of being like that wacky mask Ace Ventura kind of character. So like when he became Riddler, yeah, it's not really the Riddler we know from the comics, but he made it work on the screen and just, he just popped. And I know Val Kilmer was maybe not um, invested in the role, but for some reason it worked for me. Like him being, being wooden made Bruce more appealing in my opinion. His voice was kind of a cool Batman voice. Um, his look at first when we say Val Kilmer, Kilmore at the time, I'm like, that's not Bruce Wayne. And that guy didn't train for 20 plus years to become Batman. But <laughs> he had this woodenness to me that made it come off like he's been holding back. Like he had some demons that he's been dealing with. And I like his dynamic with Chris O'Donnell because Chris O'Donnell played the energetic kid that just wanted to like kind of be his own person, get his revenge on on uh, Harvey Dent. And um, he 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 had a cool spin on the the Tim not the Tim Drake but the uh, the Dick Grayson character, and Val Kilmer man like I've seen a lot of Batman movies and this guy had like that Playboy kind of Bruce Wayne that I've been wanting to see in a while like the girls loved him he had some dope lines like you know him and uh, him and uh, him and uh, Nicole Kidman who was thirsty yeah. she was thirsty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, like, I was like what like what's going on here so anyways the that's her whole her whole role is that <laughs> her whole role, yeah. right yeah. she oh, only God. talks about wanting to have sex with batman through the yeah, entire movie the whole thing yeah, somehow they wanted to make this like more of like a children's film <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if they made that movie in this day no it would never it's fly like, here's ever. our Here's our one female character, and her whole purpose is to want to get in bed with Batman yeah. until she decides she wants to get laid by Bruce Wayne, by Bruce. and then realizes <laughs> just, it's Batman. Imagine, yeah. But I Man. mean, that line that he has, where he's just like, "I gotta get you out of those clothes," and she's like, "Excuse me," and he's just like, "I need you in a black dress. Come to the circus show with me tonight." And I was like, "Man, this guy's dropping all sorts of chicks, all the sorts car. of lines." You know, <laughs> you know, Bruce Wayne has like the stylish glasses on. Like, I really felt like this is the most stylized Bruce Wayne we've seen. And he's and and Val Kilmer just has this swagger that's just working for me. So um, I got to say, guys, like I was actually blown away. Like, I really had a good time with this film and we'll get into it. And I'm excited to. But um, I'm all on board here, man. I'm all on board. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, Sanjay, man, I'm taking the leash off. Go. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, Ben, this is a film. Seven-year-old Sanjay would have said, like, this film's like a 10 out of 10. <laughs> 33-year-old Sanjay, 25 years later. I still enjoy it, but I can definitely see some, like, 20 um, out of 10. blind spots. Like, as you mentioned, Two-Face. Man, yep. Two-Face did not work for me at all. Like, to- Tommy Lee Jones is a terrific actor. You know, he's one of the best actors of all time. But it should have been Billy D. Williams. He should have continued that role from Batman 89 because the film just jumps in. And if you know nothing about Batman, you're like, what the hell is Two-Face? Like he has like no, no like connection to Batman at all. Like they don't play that up at all. He puts and that like, piece of paper over his face. <laughs> yeah. Batman jumps awesome across the courtroom. Scene. Yeah, Batman the in the gallery of the courthouse waiting to give his witness <laughs> yeah. testimony. What is that? <laughs> that's, that's why I love this film because it's so weird and yeah. so wacky. Like there's scenes like that that you just like have to love because it's just so out there. Like the Batman in the courthouse, the one guy when Batman falls oh. down and he's like, 
Batman. What is going on? I said to my wife yesterday, I was like, why are all these people yelling all the time in this movie? It's just like there can be no quiet moments. And if there is, it's just let's clang some things together in the score and let's just have random (laughs) guests. Three be <laughs> and especially I know exactly what part you're talking about. Eighty nine <laughs> and returns, please. But oh, it works. Man. Does it not but work? It works. It's totally <laughs> ah! And there is there is a nice quiet moment with Robin when he's like, you know, like I came in, my brother's wire broke, and I swooped in like a Robin. My yeah. dad said, and I saved him. And then Alfred's like, broken wings mend in time. Robin will fly again. I'm like, that like that scene got to me. That was a good scene. Yeah. How dope I got that movie Alfred. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? I thought Alfred like, was awesome in this movie. I love him. And he's the same Alfred from the first two. Yep. Yeah. Well, Chris and, O'Donnell's Robin and the way they played the Robin origin and the genesis of the costume yeah. and the name Robin, I thought was beauty. In fact, that's still to this day one of my favorite explanations for that whole piece of lore in fact i kind of liked everything with chris o'donnell from Mm -hmm. beginning to end but yeah that especially like if they did a batman and robin movie tomorrow and they just adopted that minus like the neon lights on the guns (laughs) that the henchmen are using i'd be all over it (laughs) laser tag right um but in terms of like the tone like this i think this film totally fits in that burden verse like it is more comedic it is more like campy but batman returns was pretty campy and like batman 89 was pretty campy like joker's running around his henchmen have joker trench coats on he's got like a joker helicopter uh the penguin was born because his parents threw him over the water and he was raised by penguins and like um Catwoman dies but she brought back to life by being licked by cats and then she actually has nine lives like there is camp in those films but they are more serious and I feel like if Batman Forever had a little bit more serious Two-Face but Riddler was still allowed to be like wacky Riddler this film could have been amazing this film could have been like top tier with Batman Returns and there is like so there is like this rumored Schumacher cut which is an extra 40 minutes, which makes this film a little bit darker and fills in some of the holes. So I hope one day we get to see that film because it is like already completed. Hashtag and some of like the Schumacher the, cut, man. Just it's, it's, it's already mo- on Twitter. Like we got the momentum in the, this movement. <laughs> <laughs> but like some of the deleted scenes that you could see on the special features, like the fact that Bruce Wayne is talking about this red book and like, they don't really like mention it again, but I guess like the whole genesis of that red book was that, in it it was his dad's diary and he reads that like bruce really wants to go to this movie tonight and so you know bruce wayne thinks shit man like i was the reason why my parents died because i forced him to go to this movie tonight but then i think like it works out that that's not like the night he was talking about it was like a different day um so it wasn't like his fault that like his parents like went to that film that day so it's just like stuff like that where they should have like brought it back in and Mm. you know really like made this film a little bit more like meat to the bones because like there's like these scenes that like jump around pretty like sporadically which kind of brings the film down a notch but for me i'm with you troy like i had this film when i was like doing like my like dc i'm doing like a dc watch and like rewatch of all the films and like i'm doing like a ranking and like i had always thought this would be like in the lower end but i actually like like this film more than like suicide squad or like justice league like i had a blast like i'm telling you like this film 
it's not perfect, but it's just so wacky and so out there that it can like it, it can it like exists in its time and it's like perfect for like 1995 and like this film would never be like made today but it's just just enjoy it for what it is because like you know you i know like i know carlos you i know you're upset but like just think about like this if, if this film doesn't come out you know and then batman and robin doesn't come out we never get the nolan batman films right so like in a way you know, the you should be thanking Joel Schumacher. A bigger success. <laughs> That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But just, 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 you know, we've we've gone past like Batman. We've like made like better Batman films since this. But like, there's just something about this where like Nolan made it like more realistic and like in today's world. This is like nothing like today's world. Like this is like ripped like right out of like a weird wacky comic book that like. Yeah. Is like the aesthetic, like I love like the look of Gotham with all the statues, yeah. except like the like the transition scenes where they're using like really bad CGI to show like the establishing yeah, shots of buildings. That was really bad, but like I just love like the look of Gotham with like the statues and the neon. It worked for me, man. Like the neon was cool in '90s, and I, I liked it. Tim will be able to make like a whole series of memes of me that yeah. mirror like the Michael Jordan like last yeah. dance ones and they hand him the iPad <laughs> yeah. as I listen he to needs, like, a bourbon where he's slowly <laughs> sipping on it <laughs> away there. I, I got an intervenance coming through my leg <laughs> <laughs> well so so for me on this one it's interesting because like it was in my wheelhouse as a kid right 95 I was like 10 or whatever right so this is like pointed directly at me and every single figure on the Zeller's racks was, you know, pointed yeah. at me, all the yeah. variant suits and all this stuff. <clears throat> and so like when I saw this as a kid, yeah, hell yeah. This was, I was all into this, you know, the craziness. I think the thing that pissed me off the most is that the, they put two faces face purple and not that teal that he was in the animated series. Right. Yeah. And I was like, who's this guy? And <laughs> not my, not my two face, <laughs> but then Jim Carrey, I have to no one's two face. I've never heard anyone say a no, good thing about Tommy Lee Jones, two face. Well, and like, to be honest with you guys, I agree. Like you could have plucked the guy right out of the film. Yeah. Like, you know, you look at Edward Nigma, Jim Carrey's Riddler and all that. He's given the most character development in this whole film. Like yeah. they spend, they, they work from the beginning, you know, right through the psychology of the character into kind of a halfway space. And then he's like this crazy man at the end. So they give him a lot of screen time to develop that character. And I do find that, you know, he's coming off at that point in time, 94's Ace Ventura, 95's Ace Ventura Pet Detective. So it's basically a continuum of that character. Like, I don't see a lot of yeah. difference in what he's doing. Even the voices, the yelling and all this, the way he's got, got the rubber face and the body and all that. <laughs> so it is yeah, a yeah. departure from the character. And it's interesting enough, they'd never revisit that character on screen again. At least in the in the Until big screen. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Well, I guess we are getting it, but um, not in that space, I don't imagine. <laughs> but <laughs> overall, like uh, I had fun with this thing when I rewatched it, and it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, I'm, I'm living a bit of the nostalgia there, but I, I'm not a huge fan of Kilmer in this role. I find that he yeah. is like pegboard woodman. Like, uh, it's you can like see through his acting. Like, he's like a freaking thin piece of paper, man. I, I want him more in the bat suit. Like, I don't think he's, I don't find him like an imposing Batman is maybe the thing. Like I always found Michael Keaton a bit more imposing and even Clooney, you know, but Kilmer, when he's swinging around, like I look at what O'Donnell is doing with the, you know, dynamic moves and all that. And I'm like, this guy could kick Batman's ass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the way he moves yeah. around. And, and so, you know, overall it's, it's one of those films that, you know, as a kid, I loved and as an adult, I can, you know, this is the first time I watched it probably in 15 years, but 
it's I can tolerate it. <laughs> I'll say that. Like I, it's I don't find it like this terrible, awful movie that I can't look at. But there's definitely pieces of it that I'm like, yeah, Nicole Kidman's character. Like, what is that? Like, <laughs> like the, the only the only reason that Bruce Wayne or Val Kilmer has swagger in this is because she's literally throwing herself at him from the moment she gets on the like. This guy doesn't even say a word. And he's like this buttoned up Bruce. I don't like him. Like buttoned up Bruce Wayne that has like zero facial expressions. Like that guy is one face the whole film. And it's the same face he has when he has a cowl on. <laughs> like it's like, it, it's uh, that blows me away. Like I just, I can't, I can't handle his like just wooden approach to all this. Even when he's like having the flashbacks, he's like, Oh, it's happening again. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like there's like zero expression. And this movie was shot all at night, right? Like, there's not one daytime scene in this. I don't think we got we got the cool scene when he takes uh, Chris O'Donnell to uh, to a shop. Oh yeah, yeah. To to stay. oh yeah, um, early morning shot. <laughs> which, but you know, which was kind of cool because I remember all the Batman films are always so dark. So like any yeah. kind of time that we would see some daylight, I was like, this is this is refreshing. This is nice, and that <laughs> performance actually of him, I actually liked the performance between Bruce and Dick at the mechanic shop or in his garage mm-hmm. when he's trying to convince him. Again, I know he comes off wooden, but for whatever reason, for me, it just worked. And it just, he was so polar. He's so completely different than, than a young uh, Dick Grayson that it mm-hmm. just, that yin and yang just kind of worked for me. But I know, I, I hear you guys a thousand percent. Just, this is an amazing bike. There's only 5,000 of them. Actually, there's 5,001. you know i will say i did i'm with you troy with the bruce wayne i think he was you know his bruce wayne his woodenness it kind of like led to the sense of like him being detached from bruce wayne yeah and if you would have seen it come across in batman of him like maybe having like fun and like kicking ass but like i I like his bruce wayne but his batman i just i just didn't buy his batman and the suit to me the cowl just didn't look right on him you know what I mean? Like with his like pouty lips and like the opening scene when he's like going through the drive through and all you can see is just his like sultry lips. And like he's standing there in the cowl and you're just like, it just doesn't look right. Like Michael Keaton, it looks co- it looks good on him. Ben Affleck, Christian Bale, it all looks good. Yeah. Val Kil- Even George Clooney looks good in the cowl. Ah, but Val there. Kilmer in the cowl, I don't know what it is, but it just didn't look right to me. But they needed that because that's why Nicole Kidman became so thirsty. Because as soon as he swoops <laughs> yeah. down with those luscious lips, she's just like, "Oh, I gotta get me a piece of that." And and well, the nipples on the suit too. Well, okay, I thought, I thought I Batman thought Batman and Robin. No, they both did. The very first oh, Bat suit okay. has the nipple that he's wearing. Yeah, I thought Batman and Robin was the first instant, like the the you know the nipple suit. But there's nipples on this. And there's oh, nipples yeah. on Robin's suit. On yeah. the first one, yeah, the sonar suit doesn't have Yeah. One. Well, they... speaking of the suits, because Sonny, you just came off of watching Returns, because is the suit from Returns not very similar to the beginning suit we get in this movie? Yeah, like the it's identical. And everything, they look, I think it they just doesn't identical. have the nipples on it. Okay. Like, it looks no, like pretty the, much... the, the return suit is like, it's like plate armor. I thought that's well, what yeah, it was like. Well, yeah, it's got like, the, like yeah. uh, the six-pack on it and stuff, but it looks like more like rubbery. This one no, here looks... it's like... all like, it's actual like lines as opposed to, so it's not sculpted to look like muscles. So the 89 oh. suit was sculpted to look like muscles. Yeah. Um, it had like the scalloped cape and then like the more ornate bat symbol on it. And then mm-hmm. the return suit, they actually made it to look more mechanical and be a little uh. bit easier for him to walk around in. So it's like, 
straight lines across like the abs and stuff. There's like a, it almost looks like an ab crunch on a say, yeah. Marvel Legends kind of figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's got like a, he's got like a window over his abs and then straight lines across. And then this one, they went with like a Grecian style mold, like so it's got like over accentuated muscles as opposed right. to like the 89 where they were just kind of subtle so they're like really laced in there and he's got like the nipples and all that kind of stuff and <laughs> yeah the symbol is similar but like yeah. the cowl is different and stuff mm-hmm. like that and okay yeah, yeah there's and, good and, and bad with those suits you... like yeah well, it's, it's look at looking at this. You know, there's a bit of a spectrum here across the <laughs> present day love for this film versus maybe yeah. you know having those goggles on when you're a kid and all that. But it did work. The plan worked here for Batman Forever. When you look at this from a financial perspective, this is a business after all. They're shooting for something to you know exceed what was done in returns with this. I'm not gonna. It's not a true reboot, but it's you know a slight pivot in the franchise and so this thing debuted to 52 million dollars almost 53 million dollars in its opening weekend and believe it or not this surpassed jurassic park for the highest opening weekend of all time and really so this held on to that until 97's lost world jurassic park wow this, this spent two years as almost two years as the highest grossing film opening weekend of all time Damn. that's insane that's so it's pretty, insane. pretty impressive Carlos- uh, I want to. I want to ask you because I saw this in theaters. I was quite young. Um, my dad took me and my brothers. Do you remember this being like such a big hit opening weekend? Like you saw eighty nine, you saw Returns, you saw Forever. Can you compare the three opening weekends? Like to you, was this noticeably bigger than eighty nine or Returns? Or like, like what was it like? Uh... Like compared the three openings, and I guess you can throw in Batman and Robin in there as well if you like. Yeah, you like eighty. 80- <laughs> 89 i was really young but 89 i remember being like it was batmania everywhere like there was nothing i the closest i've seen to batman 89's opening is the hype for phantom menace wow that's the only one that's come close because that was everywhere like people shaving bat symbols into their heads like you couldn't buy the (laughs) you couldn't buy the merch anywhere like it like the bat symbol was almost like when a team like a city's team goes to the finals and everybody's wearing their merch all the time everywhere that's what it was like for 89 like i remember it being like this an absolute feeding frenzy for stuff and like i actually didn't see 89 for the first week or so that it was open because it was so busy and my parents were like there's no way you're gonna be able to get a ticket kind of thing and so it was it wasn't until like a friday matinee like a week or so later that i got to got to go see it kind of thing so um yeah that was 89 and then batman returns like the hype was pretty high because it was like three years between the movies and people were still in love with 89 and like the merch was everywhere and this time like it was almost like the stores were ready for it and like mcdonald's had their promotion with like the happy (laughs) meal toys and the sweet cups and everything else and like to be honest with you the change between returns and batman forever like box office notwithstanding and feedback notwithstanding mcdonald's made the decision as to like we're going lighter and you guys are yeah we are not because i remember backlash about like the penguin Mm -hmm. stuff and all the sexual innuendo and the frightening scenes um coming like people didn't complain to warner brothers they complained to mcdonald's because they're just like (laughs) how can you put this in a happy meal and like sell our kids your stuff so yeah um yeah i remember that and then i remember being old enough to read about the development of 
forever. And it was a quick turnaround too. Like that was one of the faster turnarounds and the hype building. And I remember them promoting Batman forever more on the back of Jim Carrey and that we have Mm -hmm. Jim Carrey in this role. And he was like a white hot commodity. And he was almost the asset to that movie as Mm -hmm. opposed to the character of Batman um, or anything else. And Joel Schumacher had some heat because he was coming off the Lost Boys. Such a good And yeah, and there was one other movie that he did. So I remember kind of the the comic nerds and whatnot, and we all thought that it was going to be a natural evolution of what Tim Burton was doing (laughs) because you were getting a guy with these kind of serious sensibilities. And then you had Tommy Lee Jones coming off of like The Fugitive and whatnot. Uh, Chris O'Donnell was a bit of an unknown commodity, but it made sense. Like I remember just being happy that they were going with an older Robin because it never made sense for like a little kid to be endangered by <laughs> Batman kind of thing. So, um, yeah, and Val Kilmer had some heat too. I was actually super excited about him in the role until I saw it. So, um, <laughs> it had some build up to it, and like the advertising everywhere, and like the terrible but i felt obligated to order it every single time mcdonald's superhero sandwich on this like <laughs> kibata bun it was awful but uh yeah i uh i remember people not liking the movie but loving jim carrey as the riddler because like yeah. tim hit on it was more of that bit that everybody loved with ace ventura and the stuff he was doing on in living color right so yeah. I was kind of the right age for that to be the thing that we talk about every day at school. Fire Marshal Bill and whatnot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, that sold that movie pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Well, so let's talk a little bit more about Jim Carrey in this role of the Riddler. <laughs> he, uh, to be honest with you, I'd, you'd have to count it, but I would guess he probably has the most screen time in this whole film. I'd say that oh, for he, sure. he surpasses Batman, in suit Batman, as for most screen time in this. And oh. he kind of go. Yeah. And so that that's an interesting take, you know. And it's not unusual for the villains, at least in the Batman series, to take and have a quite a prominent role and get the character development. You know, this is even well ahead of his time where we're having kind of these freak of the week type characters, even in the early part of the MCU where they're kind of one and done. They don't get a ton of time until later on in the MCU where you start to really develop these characters. But you build up Jim Carrey here. Did like Sonny, did did you appreciate what, what Carrey was doing here? Because I, I personally, even on the rewatch here, I found it that it was Jim Carrey and he was doing what made him popular <laughs> and they just yeah. stuck a question mark on his chest. But yeah. <laughs> overall, like I think it, it it worked in the universe that I think they were shifting towards. I'm still of the opinion that they've taken a tonal shift away from from Burton, and that yeah, maybe it's still in the same continuity, but it's I don't find it in the same vein. Like they they on purpose they did this on purpose, but mm-hmm. Jim Carrey really pulls on that and kind of gives this a a you know amped up you know bit on the comedy, but. He's, he screams the whole movie. <laughs> you know, he's always yelling about something. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of yeah. like the character here. So, like, what, what's your thoughts there on, on Riddler? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, as a kid, I actually was Riddler that Halloween. So I had, like, the green, like, spandex suit that I wore to school. <laughs> and 
unfortunately in Calgary it gets really cold, so I had a, like a big winter jacket on and then the spandex suit over top of it. So, so you um, also had nipples on your suit. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do when it's cold out. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I love it. I like, I love the costumes. Like when it like changes into like the sparkly diamond encrusted Riddler costume, I thought that was super cool. I love how he had the cane and. You know, he wasn't, like, very strong. Like, he tried to punch the guy, and it didn't work at all. But I just love how, like, smart he was, and, like, the riddles the riddles that he would throw at were so outlandish, like, how they connect. Like, how does Batman not know that Edward Nigma is the Riddler? Is beyond me. He has to, like, solve these clues. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you're the world's greatest detective? Because it was Val Kilmer <laughs> yeah. Batman. He was too busy yeah. putting on chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about what's next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man um yeah man, i loved it um I, I loved him i thought he was by far one of the best villains uh, you know i think he's like even one of the best villains of those like first four films like he he is so good in the role and like sometimes he goes a little bit overboard where you just like kind of roll your eyes as an adult but as a kid like i ate it up and like mm. he was by far he outshines tommy lee jones's two-face just because like the way the character is like two-face is this serious character is and, it though you know the one <laughs> He, he's yeah like in in uh batman like the dark knight oh sorry i thought you like meant like in the movie <laughs> oh no hell no <laughs> uh, the, the one thing i didn't like about two-face is he kept flipping the coin like two-face only flips the coin once and lands on it and whatever it is that's what he goes with he doesn't like change his mind and go through like five different coins like what is that just a, just a minor nitpick um but yeah man like riddler was awesome um i thought i thought he was great and like jim carrey i thought i thought he brought it like it was i thought it was creepy at the end when his like brain gets like his head gets like deformed and he's like sitting there like that's like the kind of stuff like it kind of reminded me like that ending of his demise would totally fit in like batman returns or batman 89 you you make these great points and then you try and tie it to the burton movies and i'm just like (laughs) (laughs) that's offensive (laughs) <laughs> i think like i think if two-face had been played the straight character like where he was like straight-faced and like he was like this like badass and like he was like an actual like threat to batman and then you throw in like jim carrey's like outlandish character the film would have been like would it would have really like enhanced the film you well, know I but unfortunately they both tried to like out ham each other and you're like this isn't joker and riddler like had like tommy lee jones was a pretty good joker like if you put clown makeup on him and just redo that whole movie as the Joker, terrific film, terrific film. Like it works so much more. <laughs> well, and it's like I think with with let's talk about the Two Face here. I'm gonna throw it to you, Carlos, to throw all your comments on on Two Face. But I, I agree. Like you could either pluck him out or you don't have him as Two Face until later on. I know you know that's basically tugging on what they did in the Dark Knight, but you you need to establish something different there. Like he's just an a, a, you know jack nicholson turned up to 11 yeah and he's flying all over the place and they never give him the same sort of space that they give jim carrey like jim carrey the expectation is he's gonna be like that but tommy lee like this is probably his most outlandish role ever like you yeah, look at what, yeah. what he did in the in the fugitive man the guy never smiled <laughs> yeah. i think this is the only movie that he ever yeah. smiles in. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He got it all out of the way in this one role. Yeah. <laughs> he he watched he watched the movie and he's like, 
I'm never going to crack a smile on film again. Never. Yeah. <laughs> this is but, how I look? Oh, man. <laughs> so, and it's like, so what's your thoughts on on, on Tommy Lee Jones, on the look of, of Two-Face, and even the aesthetic that they bring, like, the whole duality of it? Like, I, I found it interesting that, and they never did this I, again in his reinterpretation of the Dark Knight, but he refers to himself as we and they, which is a, kind of an interesting, like, Jekyll Hyde thing that I kind of liked that they did with yeah. him and the whole thing where he's like smoking two different cigarettes, you know, he's got two different girls. He's got his house is cut in half. Like everything is cut in half, which is like, I think very 66 sort of campiness where it's like, we're going to, totally. we're going to hit this nail right on the head. Like as hard as we can, like yeah. so on the nose with all that stuff. But I we'll, like the guard or his uh, guard, not his guard, his like henchman that calls him face. Like, yeah. I've never heard anyone face. call face face before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like what? What kind of nickname? Yeah, I, I, I like, like that it. much. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> face. And he shoots him. Yeah. So, Carl, what, what, like, let's let's bring in some some two face discussion here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what there's to discuss outside of it's terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. holy smokes! Like, he's just yelling and going off the whole time, like. If you like yesterday, I was actually listening to the dialogue and there's bits like at the beginning when he's talking to that security guard <laughs> where there's some interesting things. But his delivery is just so atrocious. And it's like, how do you as a tenured, I think at the time, Oscar winning actor <laughs> think I'm going to come into this movie and outdo this guy being Jim Carrey <laughs> in playing this role? And especially when like never before or never since in animation or uh, comic books has Two-Face ever been played even remotely like that. Like if he just played it straight and vicious and a conflicted kind of guy, it probably would have been easier on him to be, <laughs> to be honest, because I think he must have ruptured something with his like <laughs> face twisting and going ha, ha, ha all the time. Like it's ridiculous. Do you think, do you find that, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, buddy. I was like, do you think this has something to do with, like, Tommy Lee Jones at the time? Maybe, he, like, he, you mentioned Oscar-winning actor. Like, he did, like, all these prestigious roles. Kind of looking down on, like, a comic book film and being like, oh, it's, like, campy. It's for kids. And he doesn't play it, like, straight-laced like he would any other role. Yeah, I could, I could kind of see that. There's a famous story about, like, as they were gearing up to start filming and whatnot, uh, just by happenstance, him and Jim Carrey end up being in a restaurant at the same time. So mm -hmm. Jim Carrey, knowing that they're going to be doing this movie together and they've never met before, he takes upon himself to go and approach him and he introduces himself as, hi, I'm Jim Carrey. Nice to meet you, Mr. Mr. Jones. And I guess Tommy Lee Jones just walked out or like stood up to him and he's just like, I cannot abide by your buffoonery. And he's just like <laughs> dead serious. And he sits down again and starts eating. And like Jim Carrey himself is who I heard tell this story. And he's just like, what the hell was that all about? And I guess like he was just cruel to him on set and whatnot. So you hear that story. And it's just like, yeah, man, if you want to be that guy, that's your choice. But at least back it up with some incredible acting. But you did Great. the opposite of that. With <laughs> like, it goes to say something when you say the makeup job on Batman Forever Two Face was the best part because that's not yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like the tiger suit? 
It's like where Tiger King got it from, I bet. <laughs> yeah, or like the weird gloves with like the metal studs in them. And hey man, yeah. it's like it's that Gotham look. It's that Gotham look. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the one thing was I found interesting was that Drew Barrymore, who's like an A-list actress, was just like some random bit part in the film. I don't think she's just playing she's like two faces. Yeah, not that. Time well, I mean, she she did E.T. at the time. She's like she was six. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she was coming off some rough years because she, yeah. yeah. So I remember that being a bit of a like a redemption piece for her. Mm. That was kind of one of the first chances that she got because like she's sugar, but then spice is being played by literally Madonna's hairdresser. Oh, so really? I don't know how prestigious those roles were. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so so try man. Going to you here. So the, the the role of Robin, you know, this is the first time we're seeing yeah. him live action since 66, big screen live action. And yeah. we, we've had, you know, probably the most of the praise on Chris O'Donnell and him filling this role. Yeah. I, I I agree with you guys. I, I like O'Donnell in this role, and I, I kind of like the, the genesis, the origin of the character they give him this. You know, they give him some backstory, and they give him some stuff to work with in this film, right? He's not just like the kid that shows up, puts on the suit, and is the, like they have him work for that role of Robin, man. You being the Dick Grayson guy, the Robin guy, yeah. how, how did you feel about this, you know, in your rewatch here? You know, take those nostalgia goggles off a little bit. Does this work yeah. for you as far as the introduction of Robin? Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, probably besides the age, because the age is still a little questionable. I mean, yeah, he has to be a bit more of an older Robin, but um, I take it he's like, like well, he's a college student, right? So he's like 18, like 19, 20s maybe, yeah. you know, in the States, 21 is really when you're a man. So, I mean, I guess it would make sense that, you know, he's 19, 18 living with, with Bruce. Um, but his performance was cool, man. He played like that younger teenage kid that that was you know, pretty much like the stereotype for the nineties back then. Like that was the the cool thing to be is, is Chris O'Donnell. Basically. Yeah. Like the martial arts skills, the laundry scene was, was cool, you know? Um, but they capture, they, they do in essence capture the, the heart of, of Dick Grayson, that scene of him in the, um, the circus when he's trying to, you know, save everybody and stop the bomb and all that stuff. It was a great moment. And I like how they flash back to that moment with him and I think his brother doing like the hand grab, like the hand, yeah. I guess the hand grab maneuver. And then he saves Batman with the same kind of thing. Like there's moments like that in this movie that are really cool and just um, nothing major, but they have a little bit of a feels moment that go for it. So uh, I really liked him. I liked, again, that Sonny pointed out with um, Alfred too. Alfred mm-hmm. and Chris O'Donnell work so well because the cool thing in the comics is, you know, it's always like that that um, Master Dick, like what, what he calls him, right? Or Master Richard. And um, that was really cool. And I like how he calls him like Alfred or Al right off yeah. the bat. It's, the chemistry <laughs> just works so well between those two. Um, I, I loved it, man. And again, I, I like the scene between him and uh, Bruce with uh, him trying to convince him to stay. So all around, Crystal Donald worked for me. Um, not so much in uh, Batman and Robins, but here he works for me very well. And I like how he, you know, tosses the name like Batboy, Nightwing. Like yes. that gets yeah. a little cool <laughs> call out there. I like how he steals the Batcar. And that scene, that scene between Bruce and... Um, and Nicole Kimmon, when uh, he gets the call from Alfred, and Alfred's like, he took the car. And he's like, which car? You know, is it the Bentley or is it mm-hmm. the Jaguar? He's like, no, like that car. Like, I love that. And uh, he's like, <laughs> oh, shoot, on my way. And he goes and handles business. Like, yeah, 
I thought that was so dope. And then he has the argument with Bruce when he's like, you can't stop me. And then he gets up and like, yeah, Valcora's not packing. But he, you know, he, <laughs> he sets the tone like, I will stop you. And Dick's like, all right, you, you win this. Like, to me, that's that's pretty kind of comic accurate for those times. And um, even in the animated series, it's, it's a very well representation of Dick Grayson's Robin. And mm-hmm. next to like the Emmy Award winning uh, two-part episode in The Adventures of Batman and Robin, uh, I can't remember Robin's Reawakening, I think. Robin's uh, Reckoning. Yeah, Reckoning. I think this is one of the best uh, on-screen representations we've had of of Robin. Dick Grayson was yeah. awesome. Loved yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It was a breath of fresh air, and I agree with you. You know, his chemistry with Al was better than yeah. Bruce Wayne's chemistry with Al. <laughs> you know, the guy he's been with his whole life. <laughs> and so it's, it, it, it did bring, I think, the, the element or at least the introduction of Robin that I think we all wanted at that time. Um, you know, seeing them together on the big screen, you know, yes, this is it. So it, it's, you know, overall, I think I agree. It's the, the same sentiments for all these characters. I think we're relatively aligned with maybe a skew a little bit from the overall film itself. But uh, let, let's let's finish off this, this kind of look back at, at Batman and Robin. And I'm going to finish off on a positive note here. <laughs> so <laughs> Batman Forever? Yeah, Batman, what'd I say? Batman and Robin? Yeah, Batman and Robin. <laughs> Sorry, you, Batman Forever. You just want to talk about that film now. I think that's well, like the next like Bat film. We'll get do. there in a couple years. Carlos so. really combust. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I actually I like Batman and Robin it. more than Forever. I and, agree and with re- you. I be- agree with you. Because like Forever has just such an identity crisis. It doesn't know if it wants to be a campy comedy type movie or a serious comic book film. Whereas with Batman and Robin, it's just there's uh, no misconception and they're not putting on airs. It's like, <laughs> this is the spiritual successor to Batman 66. All this stuff is in here because we want to sell young Troy toys. And <laughs> that's that's the way it goes, right? So it, it's, uh, you know, it, it is. And is, is that your positive take on Batman? <laughs> Oh no, we can we'll round table. So, yeah. I'm just, I just, I just to get that out there. Just uh... <laughs> well, because and it's interesting you say identity crisis because I did notice at the very start it said based off of characters from DC magazines, not comics. Yeah, they started that in '89. Oh, did the, they? The first. Yeah. Okay. That was I thought that was kind of interesting. That it's is was that a, a skew away from these aren't comics, it's magazines, so it's it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, uh, well that was totally the mindset back then right it's why even the x-men had to wear black leather because yeah. heaven forbid yeah yeah and, and here we are we want comic accurate <laughs> so, yeah totally so, so sonny i'm gonna throw it to you first man last thoughts yeah. on batman forever until the 50th anniversary <laughs> yeah man this is a terrific film like it's it's just such a unique film um you know we have so many like comic book films that are coming out nowadays that you really don't get a, you won't get a film like this in 2020. It, it really is like a relic of its time. And to, to me, you know, I, I had fun with this. It's not my favorite Batman film, but it's probably like my most important Batman film because it was the first film I saw in theaters and I just loved it. Like it ate it up, got all the toys, got all the action figures, you know, got the costumes, the t-shirts. I bought all the merch. I was a little bit too young for Batman returns. Like my older brother had all that stuff. But this was kind of like my Batman film as opposed to like his was like Batman Returns. So for me, man, I loved it. And this film doesn't come out when it does. Who knows? Like maybe I'm not like as big into like superheroes and comic books as I am nowadays. Because like this film just hit me and it stood with me. It stuck with me. And even now when I rewatch it, I still get some of like the same like, you know, happy feels when I'm watching it as I did when I was seven. 
you know, now that I'm an adult, I can look back at some scenes like it's boiling acid, like the beginning scene with the security <laughs> guard and just roll my eyes like what? <laughs> even... melted. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. And and you are right, Carlos, like it does have an identity crisis where it tries to be a kid's film. But then there's like t- there's a lot of like sex talk in this movie. I don't know w- what was going on with that decision, but there is like an identity crisis and it doesn't know if it wants to be serious or if it wants to be campy. Um, So, you know, it doesn't always work, but when it works, it works well. And to me, this was, you know, this was a a solid entry in the history of DC films. And it was such a huge success at the time. And I'm glad it came out. I'm glad it is the way it was. And, you know, I hope one day maybe we can see the Schumacher cut and see those extra, extra scenes because why not, you know, Let's just see it. Yeah. Hashtag release the Schumacher cut. <laughs> Let's get that baby trending. And um, yeah. And, you know, if I have one thing, just just watch this film and just go in. You'll have a good time. You know, you'll, you'll laugh. You may roll your eyes a bit. You may like walk out saying like this was crap. But at least once you'll you'll have a good time. So to me, if I had to put like a rating on this out of 10, I'd probably give it like a 6.5 out of 10 um solid hit you know it wasn't a home run but it was a solid like maybe hit by pitch but you still got on base so (laughs) there it is i have no idea what you just said (laughs) (laughs) troy man final thoughts on batman forever yeah man i think i've been pretty positive with this one um you know the soundtrack was dope um as a kid you know you had you had seal you had youtube and those music videos were wicked um the score for me works with this it's um it kind of has like the the animated feel, but a little more higher, a little more elevated. Um, I like the stakes in this film. This film does a really good job of for what they had to work with back then. They did some really cool things. Like we we laughed at the moment with the um, Harvey Dent Toothpaste um, jailbreak scene, right, with the acid. But the way they shot that and the way Batman used all of his gear was pretty cool. Um, when Batman has to make the decision how to save. Um, Nicole Kidman or Robin and the fact that he has to jump down and he saves the Kidman first and then Robin after like that's pretty cool for what they had to work with and how they shot that Mm -hmm. that was a great scene I think Riddler is is actually really awesome and I think it's his performance his body language is actually underrated like the choreography that he uses with the cane like I was watching him I was like he's good with the cane how he like swings that cane around like he's doing it pretty effortlessly so I thought huge props for that um i like the suits i really like the suits a lot in this film i i'm one of the few for sure but i i liked val Kilmer's bruce and i liked his batman i i liked his voice it, it kind of had a bit of um conroy to be honest i i could hear a bit of the conroy voice in there uh robin i thought was dope i loved his origin story i loved um the family the flying graysons normally it's his, his parents the brother was a new kind of introduction, but that still worked for me. Alfred, I thought it was dope in this film. I just all around, I just I had a blast. If the only thing I could really kind of get at was uh, Two Face, man, Two Face could have just been so much better, so much better. Um, and I, I think was it you, Sonny, that said Billy D. Williams? Like we could have just stuck with him. Right. I, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. But all around, man, I think this is a it's a blast. The Tories were a huge hit. The McDonald's stuff, the glasses, the marketing. I mean, it was is an overall win for me. Uh I think I think Schumacher himself even apologized for Batman and Robin. So um 
where I'm going at with there is basically if you try to go take a trip down memory lane, just stop at this movie. Don't go any further. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, man, all around, I had a blast. And you know what? If you have the time, give it a, give it a watch. It's fun. Don't take it too seriously, for sure. Yeah. But uh, just, you know, it's fun, man. It's fun. All right. Goddamn Batman. What's your what's your final thoughts here on Batman Forever? Uh, you know, it, like of all the live action Batman movies, it's by far my least favorite. And like, it's because it has the worst Batman in it. And that's the big piece of this all for me. Um, <laughs> he's horrible, like horrible in both Bruce and Batman. He looks Worse than Clooney, terrible though? in the costume. Man, I don't need that. You got to tell me this. No. The, the Clooney. I, I didn't mind Clooney as Bruce. And I loved his costume, like the the lines and the mask and just the like he did had a cooler look to it. Clooney did look a little slappy in the costume, but not as bad as Val. Like they might have well have had Taylor Hall in that costume. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, like I like I hated him and he hated being Batman and it showed. Um I love Nicole Kidman, but like what is that? And Tommy Lee Jones, what is that? Um, <laughs> the Riddler was cool. He he was neat. And uh, the standard Chris O'Donnell's Robin, like the way he was written. I liked, I loved everything about that. Like I don't mind reinventing the stuff to make it fit. And I thought they did that beautifully. Like the scene with the flying Graysons with the bomb. And they're like, hey, we, can, we can, he's distracted. Let's this boy's kind of thing i thought that was cool so like i can't say that the movie's defenseless garbage because there is little pieces that stuck with me and little things that i do like and if it didn't follow 89 and returns i think i'd look at it more favorably but those films like even though they had that bit of camp and whatnot to them there was an artistry and a refinement and um just a tone and a feel that even though they were very unique movies that might not be palatable to people coming out of Avengers Endgame or Batman vs. Superman or the Dark Knight trilogy. They were something special and unique and they'll stand the test of time. Whereas this was a 1995 loud garish movie that, you know, it has some things to take away and you might enjoy it in the background on TNT um, but yeah, on the whole, it's not art; it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think ultimately I'm going to be the fence sitter on this one. Is that I agree with you wholeheartedly, Carlos. That this is a product of its time, very, very much so. This is a 1995 Batman film that, again, to echo all your comments, it's this identity crisis. It doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know what it, it knows what it wants to be. It wants to be a toy commercial, but it also still wants to, you know, carry some of those Batman threads that they established in 89 in returns. And it just doesn't jive together as a, as a 10 year old kid. This was, you know, this is my world, man. This is Batman. This is the toys. This is everything. So I loved it going back and revisiting it. It's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's like you said, it's not this high end Batman film, but I also say it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, I had some fun with, with Jim Carrey here. And, and Robin, I thought, was the standout in this. It's, I could give or take Val Kimmer as Batman. Um, I kind of closed my eyes when he's on screen, and I agree with you. This whole chase thing, like, what? Get out of here with that stuff. So, <laughs> But, it, you know, the aesthetic of Gotham and the tonal change, it's it's it seemed it's what it was doing. It was shooting for something different, you know, at the, 
you know, behest of, of McDonald's and at the, the request of McDonald's. And so this is what we got. You know, Two-Face, yeah, get him right out of the film. Come on, give me something different here. Just put more time on, on Riddler. But overall, yeah, this is something that revisiting as an adult 25 years later, yeah, it's digestible, it's consumable. It was worth the $5 I paid to rent it on Amazon. Hell yeah. So, like, overall, just give it a watch. And uh, like I think one of you guys said is, is don't think about it too much. Because <laughs> you start thinking about it. If we were to review this thing, I think we would have been having, I would have at least had a very different conversation here. <laughs> but on retrospect and, you know, not taking the deepest dive, yeah, it's it's definitely tolerable and yeah it's a batman film uh of its time so that's where we're gonna leave this conversation maybe someday we'll come back and give this a full review or maybe we'll just look forward and do batman and robin (laughs) so (laughs) we do have our once a quarter vote for what we review you know that's gonna drop here we're gonna probably pull throw the pull up in july i guess um once we skip into the next quarter and uh, maybe Batman and Robin will find itself on that for, for you guys to vote. So, you know, guys, this is this is a bit of a longer episode, but we had a ton of fun celebrating everything from DC fandom, looking back at some of these cons and video games. This is a pretty diverse episode, and it was a blast recording. I hope you guys had a blast listening to us. And if you'd like to be a bigger part of this show, you can always email us at nerdrm at gmail.com. You can find everything we do at nerdroom.net, including our big bank of film reviews which does include some batman stuff but not all the batman stuff that might come down in the future at some point you can find our instagram at the nerdrm as well we're throwing up things you know we just we had a great week with you know carlos posting some you know comic books i threw up some stuff in the turtles troy, troy just posted some head swapping he's doing with batman so lots of diverse content on there as well in the figure game and you can find us over with the Star Wars Commonwealth, you know, talking Star Wars once in a while here, guys. And all the guys over at the Commonwealth are doing a great job, you know, expanding that universe. There's surely some talk on Star Wars Squadrons and what's coming from. There's the, you know, from a certain point of view, Empire version that was announced as well. So head over there, check out some more detailed Star Wars content. And last but not least, we got a big shout out to our man, Rob Wade, who endorsed this podcast, so emotionally14.com. So head over there to find out everything he's doing and the other endorsed podcasts. And last but not least, I guess last, last but not least Twitter. We're always there guys running around looking for something to discuss. You know, Dave, a good friend. He just threw up a great video of his star Wars room. Unbelievable. So go check some of that mm-hmm. stuff. Out. Uh, lots of fun. Tag us in your collections, in your comic books, whatever. Um, we will be there commenting, having a blast with it and doing the same with you guys. Again, with all that being said, with this fun retrospective look at Batman forever, I got to say, for the nerd room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Batman, but the nerd. good kind, not the Val Kilmer brand. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> and riddle me this: Who's Sanjay? Ah, love it. All right, guys. Until <laughs> next week, we're back in your ear holes talking Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. Thank you guys very much for entering the nerd room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and the Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.